Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode. It's brought to you by Beneath. Starting with the first thing that you put on in the morning, Beneath inspires you to be your most authentic self. Get ready to experience increased comfort that radically outperforms anything that you've tried before while leaving minimal impact on Mother Earth. Use the code UNITY to get 15% off at checkout at Beneath.com. That's B-N-3-T-H.com. And it's also brought to you by Jackson Row. Vancouver Design Jackson Row clothing caters to a relaxed bohemian lifestyle. Large doses of love go into every single piece, featuring comfortable favorites like sweaters, dresses, playsuits, and even stuff for men and children. Made up of neutral tones and flowy West Coast vibes, Jackson Row uses only the highest quality materials to ensure you stay comfortable and looking great. Check out yours today at jacksonrow.ca and use the code UNITY to help support the podcast. Also brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. Enter the code UNITY at checkout to help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries. Head over to combatflipflops.com and become part of their unarmed forces. And brought to you by Heads Up Guys. Heads Up Guys is a resource providing men with information and practical tips on how to manage and prevent depression. This is a dedicated online tool to helping men get the help that they need, find someone to talk to, and navigate difficult times. For more information, head over to headsupguys.org. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode. I had the opportunity to sit down with Sergeant Major Seb Lavoie. He is a communications and outreach with the RCMP as well as the ex-tactical team leader, light infantryman, tactical athlete and trainer, competitive and combat instructor, as well as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt and is going for his black soon. I hope you guys enjoy it. We had a great conversation about everything from leadership to tactical awareness, RCMP, everything from the States, tattoos, military. It was a great conversation and I really hope you guys enjoy this one. So Seb, I want to I, I wanted to have you on because uh, well, a few things actually. Um, you served in the military as well. You serve, um, I guess. I consider the RCMP federal, so I still consider it military-esque in the sense that you serve the country as a whole rather than just like a provincial, um, you know, independent police force, small, a smaller police force. So I still consider you, so when I say serving, I, I, I consider you serving always. It's not like you've ever stopped. You've just switched positions, different uniforms, different protocols, and a little, I would consider a smaller gun. Yeah. yeah just, just. Well, depending. This, this one works though. Yeah. Like, the other one doesn't work. And so, and so. I was a C9 gunner, so you know. Yes. So, well, the, I mean, they, they work, but they, they just also, they also do a lot of other things. So um, for, for our listeners here, Seb is, is talking about a weapon system and you were in the military and not only were you in the military, you were in the French Canadian military. So let's just, let's fuck it. Let's hit it right from where, where it lies. How is Quebec for you? I left, didn't I? <laughs> exactly, and you're French. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shit. No, it was uh, it was different uh, growing up. Um, growing up was certainly different, especially just. I don't like to play that card, but just being a visible minority you know, mm-hmm. at mm-hmm. the time, uh, it, it certainly wasn't an easy place to be. When when you're talking about Quebec, whereabouts are you from exactly? Theoretically, well, I was born in Montreal City. Okay. Uh, but I grew up north of Montreal in a place called Saint Jerome which is a little um, 
hole in the wall? Yes. <laughs> we'll call it that. It's much bigger now and it's much better now. Yep. But it certainly was uh, very small and sort of closed-minded, let's call it that. Oh, okay. See, I, li- I like the way you I like the way you put that. It's a p- very what's the word? A very kind, correct. yeah, <laughs> politically correct nice way to talk about your town. Um, with Quebec, there's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't know. And uh, I was shocked to find out how many Americans or the rest of the world really don't know the difference of like where Quebec sits in Canada and how it actually affects our country as a whole. And I didn't actually understand much about Quebec uh, until I was in the military. And that's where all, a lot of the training is done. And like you said, you did your training there as well. Were you a reservist or reg force? I was a reservist. Okay. Yeah. And how many years were you reservist for? Uh, three years. Okay. So for me, it was all a stepping stone for policing, right? So yeah. I had a bunch of, I knew already I was wanting to go in policing. So, and plus the reg force was closed anyway. There, mm-hmm. was, there, was, there was nowhere to go uh, at the time. Dark, okay. dark ages in the military, you know, mid and, and 90s, like okay. 90s, 96, 97, 98, 99. So really nothing going on. Or not much going on mm-hmm. um, and so yeah the choice was made to go reserve so that I could focus on developing the other aspects of my games which mm-hmm. were uh, to serve the purpose of going to policing when you became a police officer what made you want to go federal and not just uh, provincial I never looked at it that way. It wasn't a federal thing or a provincial thing. It okay. was a policing thing. Oh, okay. And um, and the RCMP for us in Quebec, because we don't we have provincial police, the, the Quebec provincial police, and Ontario has the OPP. Mm-hmm. We all we saw was always like big, you know, federal investigations of, of you know bikers or biker oh, like or like whatever. HA so and whatnot. That's right. So every time we saw the RCMP, we saw the RCMP hitting the big targets, right? Doing the mm-hmm. big things. So we got the, the false assumption yeah. uh, that, you know, they did better, bigger stuff. And uh, to a certain extent, it's not the case. Like everybody chips in, but mm-hmm. uh, there is certainly a federal mandate and certainly big operations, but there doesn't take anything away from the municipal. Oh, no, for sure. I guess the reason I ask is that coming from a military uh, side yeah. that you were already in, mm-hmm. I was wondering if maybe the factor, there was ever a factor of a posting or wanting to stay in Quebec, or I don't know if most people know, but like the RCMP act very much uh, similar to the military where you get posted and you do get a little bit of a, a little bit of a say, depending on if your wife is attached to you or not in a police department or, you know, health reasons. But for the most part, if I'm not wrong, posting is just you're going where you're told. Yeah, there is some attempt at um, accommodating, if, if it's yeah. at all possible. I mean, they're not going to do it just to do it, although no. some people might argue that. <laughs> um, but for me, it was always clear that I really didn't want to go back east. I wanted to come to BC specifically. I wanted to go to Surrey. Um, really? Yeah. I Why? Uh, we just knew it to be really busy, and I was, you know, from Montreal, and I was from a bigger city. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just figured this as you know, as as a new police officer on the street, wanting to do running and gunning and running around, you know, yeah. doing the thing. Um, ultimately, not going to Surrey was probably one of the best things that happened to me in the end. Where but, uh, where did you end up when you first got your first posting? Yeah, so 
there's a funny story with this. Well, I don't know how funny it will be. But it'll be uh, funny. I can guarantee it. <laughs> I can already tell. If it's, if it's but, not, we can, we can edit it. Up. If you're not, no way. No, I don't edit anything. Trust me. What did I talk about? I talked about rub and tugs with um, oh, yeah. Nate Boyer I by know, accident. Did you listen to that one? <laughs> I did, yeah. Fuck, that was so bad. I was talking to him about that side side piece. This is what happens. I was talking to him about that, and uh, we just went on rants with it, and I just couldn't stop. And I felt, I was realizing as I was putting that podcast out, I was like, oh, mom and dad, shit. They're truck drivers. So they're listening to me while they're driving, and I'm like, well, hey, mom. They probably really don't pay attention. Oh, uh, they do. <laughs> Fun fact, they do. And they said they've learned more about me now in this podcast series than they've learned in a long time, and that's also terrifying. Um, sorry, so ba- back to that. Yes, mm-hmm. sorry, continue. Please continue. Um, what was I at? The, uh, the, uh, where, was I, where was I posted, right? Oh, yeah, so where were you posted and, mm-hmm. and, and what that was like the first time you got posted out? And you wanted, and you wanted, you wanted to be West. So you, you, you didn't end up going to Surrey. You said that was the that best right. thing that ever happened to you. But yeah. So basically, what happened with me is I was uh, what we call the right marker during my training at Depot Division, which is where your CMP trains their members, right? And the yep. right marker is kind of like the troop commander, right? Mm-hmm. Um, peer uh, voted in, you know, by by your, your by peers. your by your peers, yeah. Yeah. And then the idea of managing the troop and managing the expectations of mm-hmm. the training and everything is kind of falls onto you. And because there's an added responsibility, it's technically coming with a um, you know a, a first pick of mm-hmm. where you want to go when it comes to uh, choosing a posting. So I was adamant that I was wanting to go to Surrey. Two, two or three of my facilitators knew exactly what my career path, what, what I wanted my career path to so be. So you spoke, you, you, you verbalized that That's at the correct. beginning. Okay. I, I did that to them. You know, they were asking. Obviously, they knew I was joining to eventually be on an emergency response team okay. or SWAT for the Americans uh, mm-hmm. listening. And uh, that was the sole reason why I joined in okay. the first place. That's all I wanted to do. And they knew that. And because they knew that, because one of them was that, they oh they felt that it wouldn't have been the best bangs for the buck in terms of getting what i needed um to get there so they were afraid that i would go to a big city where i would get no courses no exposure oh just get swallowed up that's right and i'd be i'd become um you know and, and not that our members are obviously numbers by any stretch of the imagination but inherently if you have 900 members in your detachment yeah you're less likely to get a course than if there's two of you yeah. or three of you. Yeah. And, um, and so what happened was they, he spearheaded sort of a decision to not, to basically go against sending me where I wanted to go and send me where he felt I should go. And Tofino, Tofino detachment opened up. Tofino? E- exactly. I'm sorry? Exactly. So, okay, so hold on, back up. So for people who don't know, Surrey, let's just put a button <laughs> note on what Surrey is. How would you describe Surrey? I'll let you do it to start because I feel like if I start, this thing's gonna go off the fucking rails. No, I mean, it's just it's just like any other metropolitan, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's worse. I don't think it's better. It's just a big city, and it's big yes. city policing, and, <clears throat> um, and, and, and it has a big city realities. They just got a police force, didn't they? Well, they're, they're, or they're working, working on they're, it? They're working on that, yeah. I, 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 all I see are these uh, keep the RCMP, keep the RCMP, mm-hmm. and I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think we we have a downfall when we start to se- um, segregate and separate uh information mm-hmm. and i think that's where a lot of things fall through the cracks is when people start to compartmentalize and then people aren't communicating and talking with and i feel like 
the RCMP have such a good hold on a lot of BC already. And I think that's what keeps it from lack of a better word going to a shit show I think they do a really good job of it I feel like the, the more you complicate that system I feel like you're asking you're asking for it and that scares scares me a little bit to be honest I, I mean I, I don't know shit but I, I I'm going off of just base my what I the very little information I know about it so please don't take my what I say for like grain of salt excuse me no of course you're absolutely right but also um, you know <laughs> It's, it's interesting. I mean, if you look at the totality of the circumstances, we have very, very dedicated dedicated members that are in there, given their in and out for the last, you know, however how many years, doing mm-hmm. some excellent work out there. And the leadership there has been asking for numbers to be increased for, you know, who knows how Like more long. members? Oh, yeah. And oh, okay. I mean, just in terms of budget and in terms of members and in okay. terms of, like, there were, there were a lot of asks which are going to come down now. Look we are gonna get a new police force in here, but mm-hmm. what we're gonna do is we're gonna give them all the stuff that the RCMP management has been asking for all those years, right? Oh, so then they will, will, will set them up for success, but- That's also offensive and a kick it, to the face. Well, it's, it's I, you know, I, I'm, gonna take, I'm gonna take you out of a position because yeah. I don't believe you are capable and, and um, proficient at doing what you were being asked to do yeah and then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take all the stuff that you've been asking for so that you could be proficient and do and, your job and properly do your job properly and, yeah. and give it to somebody else and then use that as a baseline it's completely it's evidently very skewed and um, yeah it's it's a it's a bit of a sore point I guess I suppose, so right well that's like it's it, I've gone into these conversations with people before it's that uh, that not giving what is uh, needed to do the job properly and to do it efficiently and effectively in order to prevent things from happening again and when you constantly nickel and dime things or units and people whether it's military or police or any of that or you defund the police you really truly don't know what the hell that means because once you start taking away these things from these people and you start taking away the finances that go to actually already minimally equipped our police force you're looking at problems that people have no they can't rationalize it because they've never seen it or they've never they don't understand fully what it is but the fact of the matter is they're still saying defund the police they're still saying we're not going to give you everything you need to succeed when you went to tofino though what was that like versus what you would have gotten surrey then well, you know, being in small communities um, is is very different. I mean, it's it's it has more. I think there was a fear that I may um, sort of turn a little bit jaded, or that I was gonna I wasn't gonna have the community side of things because I already I already had the stuff for the, for ERT as far as they were concerned. You know. Oh, because they back then they still counted military a lot towards your. Um your induction right into the police force didn't uh, that go towards it well, at all? Well, it was peanuts for me because of oh, okay. my service and where it was, but uh, but Fair yeah, enough. but they still do, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, some level of uh, indexation, I think they call it. Okay. But anyways, so they. Um, yeah, so they were worried you'd be jaded, and, and yeah, they didn't want yeah. that to happen. Yeah, so I, I think I think there was an understanding that look like th- this guy has a good package to be where he wants to be, but if we yeah. send him in the wrong place. Who knows what will happen to him, yeah. right? Like he could become jaded and not nearly as community oriented. Because it's important to to have mm-hmm. that balance, and a lot of people don't understand that it's, you know, everything in balance. But if you're training your entire life to be this warrior, like tactical warrior, yeah, even this one even, thing, even even in the policing world, and which the parameters are very different than in the military world, although there is some 
obvious crossovers and similarities. Um, if you're that one-sided affair, good yep. luck. Yeah. You don't want your warriors to be not to not be compassionate. You want no. you don't want them to be exposed only to these things. You don't. So I think there was an understanding like, look, like he's pretty hardcore. Like we'll send him <clears> to <throat> a place where he'll work relationships, where he'll yep. know, have time to develop. We'll get more and work on that compassion relate. with that community base. Not that that cannot be done in a, in a city. But by by sheer volume alone yeah. and everything yeah. is just it's just a little bit different. So I have more time to do that and work those relationships. With Surrey though too, I can totally I can totally see why. I mean, they wouldn't want to ruin. There's very few people that make it into the uh, or, or SWAT um, team, and that's there's a reason for that. It's the same with CSOR and JTF or the SEALs or, or or whatever it be for special forces related. But there's a reason why those people are successful in it, and that's why the the dropout rate and the actual you know amount of people that get selected is so minimal. So I can totally understand the the want to almost protect your career for them because they see you as such a positive asset down the road for new members coming in but also for um just a, a team in general just to give uh you know that boost up that's that's needed so much so i, I totally respect that i do wonder though if people I, I hear this that you know surrey is is surrey is not that bad but if it if if it's not that bad is it just the sheer volume of people they have there the reason why that you think they didn't send you or were they truly worried about you becoming like desensitized and a little hardened because of the community aspect and what's going on in that area can you talk about that at all well yeah there's there's a you know there's a little detail i kind of left out but i also mm -hmm. asked for the roughest area of surrey right so i fun i specifically asked for an area of Surrey that you know. And what area is that, Seth? <laughs> Come on. It's called Wally. Oh, Wally! Wait, <laughs> let's side note on Wally for a second. Let's talk about something that just happened that I'm furious about. Are you ready, Seth? Here we go. go. Um, about four years ago, I got a call from uh, uh, let's just call it a construction firm in Vancouver, saying, "Hey, we're gonna put uh, this really great new facility for vets." Okay, now I'm going to call the name of the charity because I really am not a fan of them and they know that. Um, let's let's take the funds, redistribute them like they always do, but let's put it in a place where all modern veterans that are under the age of probably 65 walking into that area will have most likely an issue if they've deployed. Now, I'm not a racist person. I'm not a prejudiced. Well, I'm working on it. Working on that. I'm fully open in saying that because I... I if you don't know Surrey, there are a high density of, I would say, Middle Eastern population. Is that the right way to say it? I suppose. I don't know. I, I don't know what, the, well, because I there's other things I say. So I, I'm trying to work on this. So I'm trying to make sure I say it in like a polite way. There's just a larger, uh, larger population there. And there's also high drug um, overlap within that. And for a lot of the vets that have deployed, Afghanistan or Iraq has been the placement for them. And a lot of these places have a similar culture base in that vicinity. So the government thought it would be a great idea to build uh, this state-of-the-art, amazing facility that's so desperately needed for veterans, first responders, and, well, veterans and RCMP members, because it's, it's federal-based, um, to have a safe space. So let's stick it in the middle of the shittiest fucking place in British Columbia. The, the concepts, they, they, br they brought me in to have this meeting. 
I told them why, like intellectually, without swearing in their face and losing their mind, but with, from a, 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 like a statistic standpoint, and they still put it there anyway. And I don't understand why. Well, it's kind of interesting because with having the Middle Eastern population, um, you know, you've had all these service people that have served overseas that have yep. also been exposed to the other side of them being victimized and everything. So it's not like... You, no, you've seen a mix. That's what mm -hmm. I mean. When I say the culture, I'm saying there's going to be a trigger, whether it's a positive one or a negative one, and it doesn't matter what it was, whether it's negative or positive, the fact that it triggered the person and put them in that position where they're going to either have treatment or either going for... Um, family counseling or they're going just for help or just to hang out with their buddies the last thing i feel like we need to do is take that community and put more obstacles in their ways to their healing mm -hmm. so it's whether it's negative or positive it's a trigger i feel like for a lot and that that's what got me it wasn't that the population was there it was the lack of concern of those people who were actually going to be using the facility um and maybe how that would make that community feel you know i just yeah, see, my biggest issue with this is is almost to put it um, in an area where it's almost like you're saying you're you're second rate, and it's not because yeah. the people that live there are second rate, but no. we, but because we know it's a problematic area. Mm -hmm. We know we've been trying to clean it up for for many years, and Long time. Uh, you know, and this is not just the RCMP. This is absolutely everybody. everybody's trying to. And uh, and there's drug centers there, and there's you mm -hmm. know all kinds of stuff. There's also crack shacks and, and mm -hmm. all this good stuff. So what are we actually saying to our veterans here? Like as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, they're walking on water, you know? And and, and I mean I just yeah. this is how I feel about people that deployed overseas. Mm -hmm. like, I, you know. Oh, um, I just I just I just think that um, You're putting yeah. things in front of them that are now going to be problematic. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that it's gonna cause a rise in drug mm -hmm. abuse in vets. I'm not saying it's gonna cause a rise in anything, but mm -hmm. I am saying let's be cautious of it. Mm -hmm. And before we spend millions of dollars on this state-of-the-art facility that's been needed for decades and we're finally getting, let's be conscious of where we put it. But because powers that be. So anyway, yeah, Wally. So you wanted Wally. Yeah, it was probably financial, like, just to wrap this up. Oh, I, for I sure it was. Totally. It well. Oh, no, I mean, everything. you guys have it in White Rock on the water. Oh, fuck. But, <laughs> you know, it's 5,000 square foot. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. And the facility, and, well, the only other thing, too, I got an issue with, I, I was I was hoping they weren't going to put alcohol in it. Mm -hmm. Just because I feel like that's another thing that we're just like, let's have a beer with our buddies. Let's let's suppress all of our shit. Let's, let's not deal with it. And then let's go get in a vehicle and drive. Mm -hmm. Tell me what the logic is in that. I feel like I'm losing my mind sometimes when I talk about this place because I'm like, the old school mentality just makes me want to smash my face off the table sometimes. But it's tough because I, I think, you know, even in the in the research was with, with, and I'm not a psychologist by any, but I obviously worked with teams. You mean all the amazing things you've got in your life? The psychology is not on there, <laughs> I feel it's, like? It's not one of them. Not failure. Qualified. You know what? Everything you've said just doesn't even matter <laughs> anymore. You're an discounted. instant yeah, failure. But where I was going with this is, um, is, is, is we know that having a beer with, your people mm -hmm. actually helps like that's just it, it comes into the social piece <clears throat> yes. the problem is is how do you reconcile that with a treatment exactly right? and 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 is there not and can we not be teaching our people mm -hmm. um, 
this is actually what you are after when you are doing that. Correct. And this is an alternative way to do that, you know, That's right. uh, whether it's teach a healthier option. Sure, absolutely. That's what I mean. I, I'm all for hanging out with my buddies and sitting down and, and, and having a drink and a conversation. For me now, it's switched from alcohol to cannabis because alcohol, I didn't, I was fortunate I didn't have an issue. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm one of those lucky ones that didn't get that. But, you know, I, I also found that I excluded myself from hanging out with people because I didn't want to drink or I, you know what I mean? So I just kind of buried myself a little bit. And then once I switched over to cannabis and and actually began using that with my treatment process, whole world of difference. Now I feel like I can sit with my buddies and have a conversation and it be a, I'm not going to have six beers and go, okay, now I got to drive. Like it's, I just find it, it can be a healthier option. I think we just need to teach people and implement that. Mm -hmm. um, that's my hope for that. But so with Wally though, what was your hope when you, why did you want Wally so bad? Were you excited for the door kicking? What were you excited for that really just? Uh, it's just the action, right? The policing yeah. action, like the, the, the patrol action is what, <clears throat> I was, what I was after initially. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I, I knew I had a certain amount of set time I needed to put in mm -hmm. before I could even dream of, of going on the team, even though that was always on the back of my mind. Okay. And I was going to do everything alone the way as best as I could but I wanted it to be interesting yeah right? you didn't want to be bored yeah paper pusher yeah, things exactly. like that okay I'm now well I mean it's temporary it's it's yeah, temporary what sure. when you when you finally got that posting to Tofino though was that I, I to be honest I'm surprised you came back from that because Tofino just feels like that's the dream posting for most people that and the Sunshine Coast being by the ocean and having a quieter community so what made you want to leave there well, a few things. I mean, what what it looks like and what it actually is are two very different things. Ooh, right? tell me. Yeah. So, so at the time, we only had five members there. We had uh, two thousand or twenty five hundred people living there, sort of so off that's season because that's a it's a tourist destination. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And it's very very busy in the summer. So we have fifty thousand people daily in the summer to Ooh. two thousand in the winter. Right. So the winter, you were obviously it was <laughs> dead. Yes. But in the sum, but but literally, you would be catching up with your summer because yeah. we were so swamped. Just and the paperwork and the amount of things that you had to do. And the on call and everything. It was like constantly on call, getting called out six, seven, eight times a night. Sometimes, I guess. for just like what what type of offenses are you looking at there? Well, lots and lots of domestics, especially in the winter time. Oh, okay. Um, lots and lots of domestic. Lots and lots of um, of. Um, sex assault and, and in and Tofino. Assault. Yeah, lots. Yeah. And this is on the off season. That is correct. Yeah. Did that did that bleed at all into you kill it? Like, or, or is that just? They're a very different community, actually. It's you know, okay. Tofino was really transient based. Okay. Um, a lot of people coming from the outside. A lot of people that don't want to be found. A lot of people that you know, and and and. and I am learning so much. And right you it was actually more of a blue collar type town where everybody has been there forever. They have you know. Really, gener generations. So they're they're two different microcosm, and they're very different. And I had, obviously, by by virtue of not having any backups on any other sides, like oh, we okay, back okay. each other up on calls, right? So oh, so there's they, there's a separate posting, obviously, to there. So and correct. it's not that yeah. far. It's not. It's it's uh, 
Meh, 40 minutes. It, well, minutes. yeah, depending on that windy road. Oh, my God, that thing is sketchy. Mm. I've only driven it once. And we I'm got like, really good at driving it. I was just going to say, because it's like literally you go 30 around it if you don't want to die. I'm sure you guys were just drifting around that thing in the snow. Yeah. My God, nightmares. I have a funny story. I had a, I had a sergeant follow. He was uh, actually he was a corporal at the time, and he gets posted to Tofino, and he, he doesn't know anything about the place. Mm -hmm. um, really good guy. Anyway, he's following me on this call, and it's a hot call. Like oh, The member is basically yeah. by themselves and and this is going in distress sideways uh, so i'm driving a four by four explorer or something yeah and uh we get to the call we deal with everything and then he takes me aside and he's like all i want to know is how you kept that thing on the road. <laughs> oh no <laughs> he's like <laughs> were you just pinned or what well, no no but I, it was control but for him not knowing the road and you know oh the, yeah well because i anticipate the corners and everything he doesn't he just has he has to you have to follow it. behind and, yeah, well that so. road if people don't know my god that road is winding and i don't know how it's better now i mean they, is it yeah they they I haven't been there so, i haven't been enough, there in so. probably five years mm. i know it's I, we live it's right here so nice there oh now. god <laughs> so i need to go on no it it's then. so nice there now it's it's you can't even compare really oh it's not even the same galaxy they have like these super trendy little like coffee shops and all, like what actually you know have you've been there your, recently your 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 shop like this yeah. year looks a lot like a lot of the stuff that's there really yeah well why the hell aren't you carrying it then <laughs> stores out there there's a few of you know who know who you are God, I've had it. No, I think Habit Tofino, Habit the store, ha Habit. I know you need, I've been telling you, you've heard it from the horse's mouth. He lived there. Yeah. He should be, you see? Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. Tofino is one of those spots that um, has that air of just peacefulness and calm. So mm -hmm. when I'm hearing you talk about this transient type and these sexual assaults and these I'm I'm a little bit I'm not I'm not gonna lie I'm a little taken back I'm a little shocked because I don't think that's the perception Tofino gives off to the public. Mm -hmm. But there's also there's added communities around, right? They, we go by boat okay. and Ireland, oh, so you're responsible for going communities, yeah, as well, yeah. So the oh, so there is a large indigenous mm -hmm. okay, so that makes a little more sense because that's when you've got a little bit of you know alcohol abuse issue if I'm not wrong. Well, I mean, there, well, is, everything. there is alcohol abuse everywhere in, 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 in Tofino. Yes. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, it is, it is one of the realities. The of, communities are yeah. plagued. So they're, they're... That's like that, though, all across Canada for the Indigenous uh, population, is it not? I couldn't tell. Well, for the, I, mean, I mean, I grew up beside a reserve, mm -hmm. and I knew it was a massive issue um, on that one, just uh, the, tr the, the lack of uh, support and help for the Indigenous communities in Canada is... Uh, tantamount to like the, one of the most disgusting things you, you don't want people to work when you want to just shove them onto a reserve and, and and leave them to fend for themselves it's disgusting um yeah historically historically it hasn't been it hasn't been stellar no. <laughs> at all and there's a ton of work that needs to be done and what's interesting is everybody focuses on police which is you know the 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 pointy end yeah the spear like where's all where's all the rest of this stuff prior you know, to, to where's the responsibility? To help these communities and 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 you know, the, oh, the sky is blue today. Well, it must be the RCMP's fault. Well, actually, it isn't. <laughs> you know, and I just, um, you know, I I just get, yeah, it's 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 frustrating. I mean, I've I've experienced it myself, even with the kids, because I was obviously look at me. I, I'm I'm. Yeah, you don't look if, if people aren't. Uh, let's let's do an analysis for people that are just listening. Oh dear. You look like a mini rock. <laughs> with um, with uh, 
Or like a smaller rock with like a mustache from, what's that, the cartoon? Um, oh, for God's sake, he's got the hat. Oh my God, he's a Southern character. He's in like, oh, guys, help me out. Not Yosemite Sam. Yosemite, yes! Yosemite, Yosemite. Yes, with the mustache! Because you got to understand something. People don't know this. In the military, you can have a mustache. Mm-hmm. But you have to, it has to be like very particular. And yours is very particular just like in the, in the forces. So it just... It's a Sergeant Major mustache. It's basically. the best. Standard it, issue. It's standard issue. Literally, <laughs> if, if you cannot grow one, you can never get to the rank of Sergeant Major. And that is just how it is for you. So just get over yourselves. Like women, getting to Sergeant Major, good luck. Exactly. Good luck. How so are you going to grow that mustache? It, look, if you're willing to glue one on, you're I'll, good to go. I'll glue that shit on. I'd run that. <laughs> I would walk in the day. So if, if I ever got to that rank of Sergeant Major and I walked in, you can bet your ass. I would walk in. I would have glued one in my face, but I'd act like nothing even happened. <laughs> you just pretend like it's not there and you just leave it on and you run Run it for a week and just watch people's reaction because not one person will say anything because you'll get your ass me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. That would be hilarious. Anyway, I would appreciate now, that. Now let's talk about this. Let's hashtag. talk about it. Can we talk about it? Like somebody didn't think when they put that together. Oh no, they didn't. The hashtag me too thing. I don't. Oh, that's a that's a that's a thing. That's a whole. I feel like there was just no effort put into the thought process of the Agreed. actual names. So you they really hooped themselves on that and that. Yeah, exactly. So let's get back into Tofino a little bit because, yeah. um, like I said, it's got that air of, of calm, and I and it does ultimately, um, you know. But it is busy for the for the members there. Um, it's busy because there is no twenty four seven coverage, so there's a lot of on call periods. There's a lot of people knocking on your door because oh, okay. you live there and you have your police car in the, you know. And it's, oh, so they'll just come to your house. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that happens sketchy. several times. On it. Yeah, it is totally sketchy, especially, um, you know, based on some of the clients we were dealing with at the time. But, um, but yeah, it's, it, it really consumes, it really consumes your life. So mm-hmm. you kind of fail to see the beauty. You see the beauty Around of the it. place. Like, you know, physically, I mean, you, you know, oh, this is nice. And, you yeah, know. you're driving. It's gorgeous. But when I go back now and I go for a run on the beach or something like that. I'm like, this was my first posting. I want to die here. Yes, you know, like, I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. It's taken it to a different level. Um, it ruined it for you. No, not at all. No? No, not at all. It, it didn't ruin it for me, but it, I just at the time wasn't appreciating it the way I should have. Fair enough, but I don't know that you can... Um, I would say be just disappointed in yourself for that because I think if you were able, if you were truly looking at it the way you should be, you shouldn't be noticing all of that because when you're a police officer, that's you're not. The sunset is beautiful. It's the sky's moving to my left, and I hear somebody back here. And where's my like? It's you're not. You're never paying attention to that. So I wouldn't be too hard on yourself for that. That that makes total sense. Everybody wishes they could go back and appreciate, you know. So that's that's not something I would, I would worry too much about. You'll get to go visit all the time. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely not worried. But but it's just, you know. If I was to go back and speak to my younger self, mm. there there was a way for me to appreciate it more. There was a way for me to realize what I had, and that was to know the things that I know now. Ah, uh, fair enough. Right. So it's just it's just it's never gonna happen because it's impossible. But but if I could, I yeah. would love to go back and say one day you'll be in a concrete jungle. You'll mm-hmm. be looking at this. You'll be looking at. You'll be doing this, doing that. Yeah. Uh, and all good stuff. But remember the ocean. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love it. I love, I love going there. Do you surf? No, 
I really? tried. I, yeah, I tried a few times, and uh, you know, I, I essentially almost died the first time. So what so. you're saying is you've been skipping leg day? No, I and can, only I can doing actually, arms. I can actually swim. Okay, or not. I'm one of those. Uh, Yo, you're one, one of, of those, those weird ones. <laughs> you're one of those weird like military cops. Like has the roundabout. Why didn't you go join the special forces? Like. What was that? Well, there's kind of an interesting story with that. But um, when I released from the military, um, at the time, there was very, very little was known. This is pre-9-11. Okay, so, so very, yeah. Very little. Of course, Kansov didn't have nearly what, you know, the, the setup that they have yeah. now. And um, it was so secretive that the majority of the guys doing this stuff didn't even know what they were doing. So Yeah, yeah. The JTF was <laughs> a was, very hush-hush then. It was hush very, hush very, very secretive. And yeah. so we didn't, we ultimately, especially as a, even though there's a lot of French Canadian in that unit, yeah. ton, I yeah. couldn't believe how many there are. But um, but I we, we didn't hear at, as a French unit, we didn't really hear what they did or, you know, even. So you had no training. interest. We had, no, I did. So. We, we it was discussed and one of my superior was a captain at the time had written a letter of recommendation for a selection which of course oh, means, wow. means nothing it just no, but it the, means that you did what you had to do yeah, to an extent but it also shows that you have that that mentality you have mm -hmm. that 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 uh, mental fortitude but you also have that leadership skill and so i would take that as a small compliment yeah, it, w it was okay. I mean, I worked hard. I you know every day, and um, and and it, it it paid off. I got this kind of attaboy. Yeah. But at the same time, and this is kind of the dichotomy here is I joined the military to become a cop, and when I joined the military, I loved it. I didn't want to oh, leave. Oh no. You know, but then I knew what the mission was. So yeah. now I I was I was set on a course, mm -hmm. and all these things happened, and I was like, okay, am I gonna just let go of what I always wanted mm -hmm. or am I going to go that route and if it doesn't work out the way I want it I can always fall back on the military that seems more like a, 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 a smarter plan yeah, versus, for you. versus if I miss the window of opportunity to get into policing mm -hmm. I may I may be here and if I don't like it then or I would have liked it but you know if I don't yeah. end up where I want to be absolutely so anyways so I get this letter of recommendation I get my orders for depot basically this is a month later type deal oh wow so you so really I, had like both yeah oh no and so selection or or, or heading out for yeah. selection or attempting that yeah. or going in pursuing the dream that I had set myself I'd set my sight I'm just sights on, right? I'm just so shocked. I'm not gonna lie because you just seem like I could have seen you going the military path so much more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, was do you have the uh, 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 do you have police family? No. So what really made you want to? So, so for me, um, and I've spoken about this event before, but it's it, it's it, and it's pretty innocuous. But for for me, it was it was a bit a, a big contributor to why I decided to go into policing. Um, Biker wars between the Rock Machine, the Hells Angels, and Quebec. For those, really? for those that don't know, um, was an absolute war zone. And when yes. I say an absolute war zone, bikers were wanting to shoot each other with rocket launchers and club lineups. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking, we are talking collateral damage, heavy artillery. We're talking IEDs and vehicle borns and all kinds of stuff that you would you yeah. know see overseas and that's what they did to each other and of course the montreal chapter of the hell's angels was the most dangerous in the world by a long shot and and sony barger himself said i want nothing to do with these guys the nomad chapter you know just a, a, too ruthless a, they just when i came here and people were like those are bikers i was like really yeah these guys are not yeah it's it's they're rich and they're, they live in opulence and all this stuff like they don't touch police because they know it's bad for business. Well, they like, know. You know, exactly. In Quebec, 
No. Be down the roadside on a car really? over all the time. Like, this is yeah. the 90s? Yeah, in the 90s. So what ended up happening with that was um, mom was very with it and mm. she paid attention and she was like, listen, like these cops, it's really hard because they are being hit on, they're being hurt, their yeah. families are. Yeah, they're at risk. These guys are not playing by the, and they will essentially yeah. hurt them bad. So one day we're coming back from a field trip in a school bus, I think we were, and uh, and we saw a Wolverine, which was a very aggressive anti-biker unit in Quebec. And they were really good, and investigation, <laughs> yeah. investigationally, but also they had associated tactical arm, which okay, was wow. a Wolverine sort of, they didn't call it SWAT, but they had their Wolverine, like, um, anyway, they called it something else yeah. in French. But yeah, and, and so those guys were all standing over, I don't know, uh, 10 or 15 bikers on the ground, handcuffed, and uh, they had balaclavas on, they had, you know, their long guns on, and they were, yeah. they weren't like yelling or posturing or doing no. anything. They were standing guard, quiet professional, 360, you know, 360, yeah, on the swivel. And, and they were solid. And, 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 uh, and I saw that and I was like, holy, who are these guys? And, and yeah. mom's like, those are the cops that aren't scared. Oh, right? wow. She said, those are, those are the ones that aren't scared. I'm like, I want to be one of those. She's like, well, you, you, you go ahead. Can How you? old were you when she said that? I, I couldn't tell you. Probably young. Yes, I I have a really I have a a very um, like blurred recollection. Yes, my anything below sort of twelve is like very dark. Uh, really? Yeah. There's there's all kinds of reasons for that, but yeah, it's anyways. So so my timelines are always messed up when it and mom used to make fun of me about that all the time. She's like, that didn't happen when you were six. You were three, you know. <laughs> yeah, but hey, it, it's a, the trauma. <laughs> but trauma I was a, really. Seven seven to nine, I would say. Uh, really? Seven to nine, yeah. Wow, and that stuck with you. That's that's one of those moments. But you say you yeah. talk about it like it's, you know, you've talked about it before. But like that's a that there's always that you can always look when you're able to look back. You can find the catalyst point for you. Sure. And then if that right there, if your mom never said that, you may never have. Hundred percent. That's so beautiful though that mm -hmm. she was able to be that strength for you and show you that that you could still be that person. Mm -hmm. Um, but she also sounds like she guided you on a on a really good pathway mm -hmm. within that. Yeah, she did. She was a single mom. She had me when she was 15. Okay. Like we, are we are really close, oh. um, you know, and she passed away in 2009. Uh, I'm like sorry. Super quick cancer. Uh, I'm but sorry. Yeah, uh, it's life. But uh, but yeah, it, it, she, you're right. Like she, you know, it would have been easy for her to say, oh, that's dangerous. And I don't yeah, want like my son, son to, to do that. But she's like, well, if other people are sacrificing, why wouldn't you? And why wouldn't I allow you to do it? What? How selfish is that? These people have families too, you know. And that was her take on this, uh, the whole sacrifice service thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you, your, did you have any siblings? I do, yeah. Two sisters. Two sisters, yeah. same age, older, younger? No, my sisters are younger. Uh, I this is bad, but I haven't seen one of my sisters. I haven't seen in almost well since mom passed. So yeah, it's um, been eleven years. Yeah, and then uh, my my sister lives on the island. Mm -hmm. She's thirty. I want to say okay. So she's younger than me, quite a bit. But yeah, wow. Yeah. So your your mom really They're had a younger than me. Yeah. So that your your mom really had a rough go then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she had a she she had a solid go. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I always applaud moms like that. Uh, it's one thing to be a single mom. It's one thing to have a child in your teenage years. Mm -hmm. I know one of those as well. But those kids always seem to turn out the best. A friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, had her son very young. And he is one of the most respectful, well-rounded human beings, the most kind and generous. And the rest of her kids are like that too. When she had those, when she was, you know, of uh, adult age to have children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so And, and what's, what 
adds to the sort of the mystique surrounding this and what adds to the the beauty of it is I don't know if you do you listen to Jordan Peterson at all oh my god Jordan yeah. Pe- I want to have him on so bad sure so Jordan Peterson was you know speaking and something that really resonated with me I had to do with the the risk that is incurred by kids that are don't have their dads around right it's dramatic and, and he's like if you want to ruin a kid take their dad away Like that is, you know, a number one contributor. Absolutely. So, so for 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 having been successful and for her to been to manage to, you know, keep the three of us on the path. Yeah. Um, it's beyond. That's that's incredible. That's I think that's what obviously created the the human being in which you are, mm-hmm. and 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 it seems like she's. She showed you early on what it meant to be a leader in the family. And I know for you, when it comes to, yes, you have your military service. Yes, you have your policing. And then I'll get into that later. But you really, truly are trying to be um, not only a leader in your community, but a leader uh, in in pretty much all of service and what you and, and how you live. And I want to talk to you about that because it seems like the way you have obviously been raised has been the reason that you are the leader you are today. And, and I, I want to know really how that has been, had an impact on you, but how you, you feel like you've been able to take that position and really run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, in which position? As a leader in your community yeah. and then the pillars within your, you know, the police department and being a team leader and all of that. Sure. I think there was there there were always a natural leadership ability, some 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 charisma, you know, not not a you know an incredible amount of it, but like some charisma. Mm-hmm. And 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 I always, from a very very young age, even though I was sometimes misguided, um, would have the ability to get people to want to be around or want to be with me or want to follow, right? Yeah. And that was something that worried some of the teachers that I had because of some of, of my earlier behaviors. He's got so much influence and if he's not using it right, it's not good. Yeah. Um, but I do think ultimately what it comes down to is I had a very good balance of that conscientiousness and emotional intelligence, right? And okay. so all the things that, that comes along with it, you know, the self-regulation, the self-awareness, the empathy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the drive, the determination, all those things in, in, in proper amount. And, and it allowed me to not only lead people, but care in leading people, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't lead asset, I don't lead numbers, I don't, I don't you know, I, I lead people. Correct. And I don't, I don't always do the things that they would want me to do as a leader because sometimes there are certain things that are, decisions are difficult decisions that have to be made. Correct. But I can guarantee you that it's as much buy-in as you are going to get from anybody with that decision, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I don't obviously make them in a vacuum, do any of that. But um, if you prioritize people over anything else, um, and, and, and I know I know some people will be like, oh, well, actually, it's the mission first. Like, we understand, yeah. we, 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 look, Prioritize your people, and no matter how difficult the mission is going to be, they are going to work for you. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, I, I respect I just, that. I can respect that. When you have the guys that you're working with and that you're leading, for example, how is it that you guys handle, um, say, after action when when there's an issue? 
What is that like for you? Like, how do you uh, kind of take that on? So are we, we're talking about the emergency response Correct. now, like we're back to, yeah. okay, so tactical operations. So you're talking about uh, critical incident, Correct. follow-up. See, deal. you know all the cool words. Mm. I just lead you to it. No, no, it's good. No, it's perfect. Um, but it depends. I mean, yeah. from a tactical standpoint and from a, you know, then we have our regular debriefings, which Correct. are like, what what have we done and what could we have done better and what mm-hmm. worked well and what didn't and yep. who's taking ownership of what and who, <laughs> you know. Yeah, who fucked up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's always, the, that's what it comes well, down to. It's 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 interesting though. You, you, you set that bar for yourself mm-hmm. uh, as an accountable leader and you just watch your people fight over who's responsible in the terms that it, they are actually trying to take the blame and it's like, wait a minute, you had nothing to do with this. You weren't even yeah. there. You're off that day. Yeah, <laughs> you literally weren't working. What are you talking about? But it, it's 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 amazing the um, it, the accountability and ownership that you can develop when you're you know implementing that for yourself. But yeah, it, from a tactical standpoint, we had our after action, which is our regular debriefs and all this good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on the emotional side, it just carries over. So this is this kind of the inter- this is the interesting. Um, uh, this is an interesting balance because we're looking at, uh, you know, the spiritual, the social, the physical, and the mental mm-hmm. uh, work that we put in our people, so that they can develop in those areas which are consistent with the fu- with the four pillars of resilience. Right. Mm-hmm. With that, it flows right into recovery, which are the same four pillars. Right. So what we know about people is, you take a cup and you put water in it. And every little thing that you add in there, and it it doesn't have to be a big thing. And everybody always thinks, you know, like all these police calls and I've seen bodies everywhere and all this stuff. It doesn't need to be that way. It just needs to be a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit of an administrative stress, a little Mm -hmm. bit of undue hardship, a little bit of that person that's being an ass in the office, a little bit of this. And next thing you know, you send them to something and it hits them hard Mm -hmm. and likely much harder than it should have. So my take on this was always keep the cup as empty as possible so that when they get hit with something substantial we can work on that recovery plan which is the the reiteration of the things that Mm -hmm. should have been preemptively taken care of that we just spoke about Mm -hmm. and then enable as leaders enable them to continue on with that and one of the one of the things that people don't understand is is when it comes to the subconscious mind it doesn't have a concept of time so it's really hard because, and that's the reason why hypnosis, people go back and it's like, okay, it's five-year-old you, you know? Yeah, you can go there. Like some correct. people can actually be, are susceptible to hypnosis. Some are not. Of course. So the, the, using the hypnosis as a reference is simply to say, if it, if it caused an emotional scar, it doesn't matter if it was 50 or five minutes ago. Correct. It doesn't. So, no, so but for the people looking, it does. For people around, for the onlookers, it's oh. like, oh, well, it's, it's been, you know, uh, that many years. Like, you should be over this. Oh, I get that all the time. That's, Actu- that's actually, people's no, favorite. Frank. Yeah, absolutely no, Frank. It still fucking sucks, Frank. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So that's, that's why, you know, when people are going through uh, personal critical incidents, uh, uh, divorce and breakups yep. and those types of things. And if you've never been through a divorce, you have no idea what a critical incident is. <laughs> no, I like, I'm very, very, I'm one of those very weird, happily married people in yeah, the world yeah. still during COVID. I know it makes no sense. I, he's, I don't know. He puts up with me. So awesome. Yeah. But divorce, divorce is, you know, and that's the empathy part, right? Correct. Um, having the ability to recognize, even if you've never, if you cannot relate to it because it's never happened to you, it's like, let me research this. Holy, yep. like, this is how difficult this can be. So as a leader, 
if I, and, and this is the beauty of it, say if you don't have the natural um, tendency towards emotional intelligence, I will say that's not good news. But if you have, <laughs> but, it, but there are, some of those areas can be worked on and they can. Correct. So all you need is self-awareness. If you don't have that, then you don't work on anything because you think you're, you're perfect. good to go. Yeah. So one of the, uh, you know, if, you, if we look at empathy, for example, well, if you're not like a very empathetic person for whatever reason, you, you know. You're it, a narcissist it, or whatever. Well, it doesn't necessarily make you bad, but you definitely need that. So what yes. you're going to need to do is you're going to need to do the research on how this is affecting your people, right? Whether uh, okay. you're talking to them, whether you're looking into psychological literature or yeah. whatever like how how does divorce say for example affects your people so that way when that happens you're not like hey man uh i noticed that you're not like where you used to be i want you on the road you know taking yeah. rain kicking ass instead of hey man you know what i've never been through a divorce myself but i looked into it it looks horrible yeah. what can i do to help you know those kinds of things so i kind of went on a tangent here, no 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 you know what i mean no but the tangent all mm -hmm. day long and yeah, i think it's important yeah. though because when you explain it the way you just explained it, it doesn't just, you're not just saying you need to be empathetic with your team and you're not just saying that you need to be open and communicative with your team. You need to be truly, um, uh, what's the word? You need to be literally the bubble that is around the team and know how to handle if that bubble pops. And there's a difference between a, a team leader saying, hey, I'm here for you, and a team leader saying, hey, I don't know what you've been through, but I took the time out of my day or whatever to figure out or do some research, see what it could be affecting you like, and maybe this is why you're acting this way. Mm -hmm. And you know, and that, that there shows more compassion to a team than anything else. And I would say you only truly need one of those situations to happen to really see whether you have a leader or not. Because the reaction will be two, two completely different people. Two completely different people. And I, I want you to go on tangents about this because I think it's important for people to understand that there is a, a way to handle things from a logistical standpoint. Like you said, after action reports, who fucked up? How do we fix this so it doesn't happen again? But then there's also a way to handle the mental health aspect. and and. I wonder, I do want to know what you think of how we handle or pick our RCMP or police officers and how we look at, you know, previous incidents, because I feel like that's got to have some play into what they're going to be like as police officers down the road. Am I wrong? You mean previous incidents, like you say, exposure to Correct. critical incident type deal? Yeah. I think that's a very, very slippery slope. Personally, mm. and and the reason why that is is what are we say? What are we telling our veterans? Correct. What are we telling um, the people that have had, you know, horrible things happen in life? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, excuse me, we can't take the risk on you because you may experience some level of distress. Yeah. How, how do you begin to have that conversation? So I think I think what needs to happen is a you don't want them to be in distress when they come in that's absolutely guaranteed mm -hmm. but there are ways to there are ways to guide people and help them deal with and certain mitigate issues all of that, and yeah. they, they can come back 10 times stronger from having had a really bad experience that for they sure deal before um and you know i just i think that's a very very slippery slope and it's been done it's been done some i i know for a fact it's been done somewhere in canada on one of the rcmp teams some commander uh, if i knew his name i would throw it out there because evidently should have never been a commander but oh, fantastic but there was essentially what happened was uh, a lot of the guys on the team had been in multiple shootings so he came in and basically what he said is systematically anybody who's been over three shootings on the team is off the team no like do you want to create 
uh, occupational stress injury because that's how you do it. That's exactly how you do it. And I think that's what people forget is it's not necessarily the incident that happened. It's when you harp on someone and you, you make them feel shitty for not getting over it and you constantly beat them down and ask them, why are you better yet? Why aren't you better yet? Oh, you've had more than this? Well, you can't be involved anymore. That's correct. And you're taking away their purpose. And when you do that, you are flipping their whole world upside down. 100%. Yeah. And, and, and it's, oh, you know, um, I think I think what needs to happen, though, just to address this, yes. is, is we kind of need to, we need to have a plan on, it, it, there has to be a line. Like if somebody has had some very serious PTSD-related or yes. OSI-related issues, like such as, like, you know, serious suicide attempts or these types of things, yeah. you are literally going to kill them if you send them in policing. Oh, yeah, it'll if, break them completely. Like, you know, it just, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but if there's any way to steer them and and, mm-hmm. and, and, and and have them in and bring that experience over, one of the reasons why this is a stigma, even though it's getting more and more, it's getting better. In the, I yeah. know in the RCMP it is getting a lot better. Um, you know, not having the people that can relate the experiences is is always been an issue in the past because yes. they, w- they would get obviously um you know you're welcome to tell us what you think but uh you know we may we, we may make fun of you or we may you know yeah tell us what happened to you but we're or, still going to make you feel like shit about or it think that ultimately i would this wouldn't happen to me and this is the most arrogant way to approach osi or oh. occupational stress injuries right yeah. and it, get, it gets your blood your oh, blood just, boiling because it happened to me mm-hmm. the, the, word for word mm-hmm. that's why when i hear you say it i'm like i know it is <laughs> you know sometimes i if you know people when i was young i always had this fantasy where i would um take a well-equipped well-trained team travel back in time with proper arti- <laughs> <laughs> with proper artillery yeah and and help the the people that couldn't help themselves that got slaughtered and decimated and, oh, and yeah. preyed upon and do all those things i had this dream like let's you know if, mm-hmm. if this is ever possible let's do that so we can fix the wrongs um well I, now i would do the same with some of the stuff that people are being told by some leaders or yeah i would go back slap them yeah tell them the right thing and you know well you and i talked about that when we first mm-hmm. spoke on the phone we chatted about that and let's touch base on that because i think this is where there are our pitfalls and downfalls and not even just in the you know in the police department there are ways that we handle things that are obviously incorrect but there's health <laughs> fuck we handle them wrong in the military too so let's yeah. touch on vacancy Mm-hmm. Let's get into that and the way sure. that they handle mental health and the way that they don't. Um, there, you were posted. You were a Van Do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is correct. So I wasn't at Valcartier aside from full time training, and and so I spent a lot of a great deal of time there. Yeah, uh, but I was I, w- I wasn't there like um, regular. Like regular. Yeah, and we spoke about um, we spoke briefly kind of about some of my uh, the five Ralk staff that I had and mm-hmm. the majors and the warrant officers and all the lovely humans there, and they. And that mentality, and it was it was funny to me to actually hear your response on the phone because you seemed angry, and you were probably one out of five French Canadian people who had actually served in the military, who knew the culture, who actually were angry on my behalf. Mm-hmm. What I found interesting was the la- the leadership that is in place that we leave in place, whether it's in the police department or in the military, they get left too long. 
and then they keep that old school mentality and then that lead that lack of leadership rolls downhill and then the newer people coming in you you start to see that implementation of shitty behavior and and just um saying the wrong thing at the wrong time that kind of thing i i wonder would it ever be beneficial for you to leave the police force and go and and strictly work with the military on on bettering leadership like i feel like I know you love your job, but I feel like you your skills could be utilized in so, like so many different ways. Yeah, I, you know, I think there 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 would be value in this, but there is there there are professional companies that do that with they v- fucking suck, obviously. Well, the, no, but but the problem is here's what, here's what in lies the problem, right? If you're and I always tell people this, if you're in a leadership course, yeah. or if you're asking for leadership advice, you're already not as bad a leader as you think you are. Ah, fair enough. Because the really, truly bad leaders, they don't even ask. <laughs> they don't. They don't even <laughs> want to know, actually. No, because then they're going to be told they're doing something wrong and they're not going to like that. that's impossible, though. Yeah. That's impossible. It's, it's, you know, so you have that, you know, the levels of competence. Absolutely. You know, when you're in that unconscious incompetence, I think a lot of the times those bad leaders are consciously incompetent. They just, they have other things that overcome an ego being one of them generally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's generally what it is. Um, there is so much wrong with the leadership models and the, and, and, the, and, and the CAF actually did it better than the RCMP did. Really? Yeah. Because we were, we were, you know, giving them an exam and all this stuff, but there was, there were, there was no training. There was no training. When you came in? Leadership. in? Yeah, so it's 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 getting better now. But I mean, you can be a corporal on the road, and you've demonstrated leadership, maybe. Mm-hmm. But if you haven't, um, there's a lot of stuff you're not going to learn until you're actually in the chair. So you'll get your promotion, and yeah. then you'll either make or break, right? Really? Yeah. That's a shitty way to set somebody it, up. It, this this is setting our people for failure. Most of them are well intended, well intended. Of course. And they want to do a good job, and we're you know, so now. You can. You, there's a wind of change. I think now there is more available in terms of leadership resources than there ever been. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, for sure. It, it, you know, you look at like you know the Jocko mm-hmm. Willink and the, the the you know the, the the and all these guys that have major media platform. The social media is, is is amplifying that piece. Oh my gosh, is it ever? It's everywhere. Books are flying off the shelves. It's made it accessible. Oh, it's you know, and and I can tell you from my perspective, the amount of constables that are coming to me and say, "Man, I share your values." Like, look at what I've done for and yeah. I'm like it looks so bright for the future that's so good of these organizations because these kids they're out there getting better at leading well, they want to they so, see they see that there's a, a not only a maybe financial incentive in your rank and your and you know becoming a leader but there's also that being a better person being that person that somebody can they know they can turn to mm-hmm. and have you know on you know watching their back and knowing that they're actually the person that they they strive to be they strive to wake up every morning and be a better person be a better leader rather than just waking up putting the uniform on and hoping nobody gets shot that day because mm-hmm. there's plenty of police officers out there like that and that's totally okay if that's your jam that's that's all you but if i believe in striving for better every day that you wake up and every minute that you wake up and i think that's what you teach and that's what you try to implement i wonder you you said to me i don't know if you can talk about it you said that you were going back in What's the deal here? Uh, it is a possibility. So I've so I'm supported too. Okay. Uh, going back um, on the emergency response team. Wow. Um, in one of the position that um, you know recently just came open. I mean, something could always happen 
that you know nips that in the bud. But um, but in the meantime, it's looking like that's going to happen imminently, probably mid February. If everything oh, fantastic. Is according to plan, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, as you know, uh, it, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, I you know, I bumped a few, and then I came back. Yeah. Um, I came back evidently when I left in really good terms and mm-hmm. had some, you know, that's going to be awkward because there's a lot of people in my farewell and everything and I'm back. But well, uh, it's okay. <laughs> we all, we all come back. You just come back 10 times better. It's just mm-hmm. like, I'm the improved version, that version, that mm-hmm. party was for that person. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, I, I'm truly a different person. So I'm the same person um, that I was. I didn't take anything away because I didn't, I didn't have any real, you know, bad things to shed, there. you know, but I, but I'm certainly much more aware. I've seen a much broader picture. I've seen a much, so those things are going to be um, valuable in this, in this position. Mm-hmm. They're going to be valuable. I've also built tons of relationships and everything, which I always tend to do. I did when I was a team leader, but um, yeah, I think there's, there's going to be a ton of value. The team has evolved. Like I've been gone for two years now Yeah, and uh, the team has evolved so I'm gonna have some. So I'm gonna nice. have some catching up to do when I get in. Um, just in terms of like the way they've been running their business, how they've been doing things. Yeah. So it'll be a, 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 a major learning curve there. There's some hands and feet skills that I stayed away from. Really? That, yeah. How come? Well, I mean, I didn't go to the range. I mean, I don't even need my gun in my current position. So do you do? I was just gonna ask you that too yeah. while you were talking about that because, mm-hmm. like you said, there's some steps you're gonna have to yeah. to get back into. Do you uh, do you shoot? Do you practice? Do you hunt? Do you what's up with you? So so I did obviously yeah. you know to lead up to the team and then I spent like 12, 13 years on the team. Just so full on, you had no the, time? So, no, no, I mean, I was shooting. Oh, but like, yeah. you. Well, I was on the team. But I you were gonna, shooting, but you weren't shooting, I'm saying, for fun. You didn't go I, to the range yeah. for fun. You know, this is kind of like um, infantry life is taking camping away from you. Yes. Earth life is taking shooting away from me. <laughs> it just ruins so, you. So I do it, I do it professionally. Yeah. By necessity, and, and that's it. And that's it, yeah. Um, but I haven't really done it because my position is purely administrative. I, <sighs> I went to the range like two weeks ago or something because I'm training a kid right now for um, the military. Oh, really? He is absolutely Good. insane. Yeah, I Sniper, think. Sniper, huh? No, it's just not firearms. It's just the whole package. Like oh, this kid is just He's going to rise. Anyways, that's I, amazing. I got plans for him. Oh, I see. I love that. I, I love that so much because to, to hear your excitement in, in somebody that you know could be um, a carbon copy of what we need to, mm-hmm. to print those guys out and to put them in those positions, but also have like the, the ability to put them in those positions. I got a funny story about this kid. Tell me. Can um, you tell me? So, um, yeah, I can actually. So, so the, the, he, he Touch me up on Instagram because my open Instagram account, everything. Yeah, you've got yeah. a flipping amazing Instagram account. Thank you. You're welcome. People have reached out and I, I, I will help anybody. Like I, yeah. I've done it over and over and over. And I even cut and paste sometimes some of the programs I put on because I'm like, okay, this is too much work, but I have to do it. And then I, I, let, them know, I let them know that. But uh, so anyway, so this kid touches me up and uh, it was the weirdest thing. There was all kinds of nebulous circumstances. He, he was asking some questions and I recognized his last name and all this stuff. And eventually I go, hey man, do you have have a, a like somebody in your family that's in the force he goes yeah my uncle and i know him very well oh my god we have a good relationship and i'm like <laughs> so i'm like hey man um y- you want to talk about policing you want to talk about all this um let's meet up do you have a weight vest he's like yeah I'm like, okay <laughs> okay 
Meanwhile, he thinks I'm somewhere in Ontario. He has no idea. He lives in Maple Ridge. I'm in Coquitlam. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you're such a dick. So, no, no. So he comes over. Oh, he just popped right he over. He comes over and he's like, I didn't know what to bring. So I brought 100. I brought 70. <laughs> so I'm like, I like you already. You're the best. You've got I options. I like you already. Like you brought a 100 pound vest. Who but the hell does that? Nobody. Ask anybody to bring a, a weight vest and they'll come in with a 20 pound. If but you're lucky. It's a t-shirt, essentially. It's just, you let the water in. It just didn't dry it, and that's what it is. But anyways, so so him and I go for, I was um, I was doing uh, a Nine Megan, the Nine Megan March, which yep. is, I was preparing for the Nine Megan. Do you know you know what that is in Holland there? The you big, can, yeah, I know what it is, but you can explain for our listeners. Yeah, it, it's basically, uh, you know, a march that's been put on, I think, for 105 years mm-hmm. uh, in Holland for the liberation of Holland during World mm-hmm. War II. And uh, it, it was initially used as a test for their, the operational readiness of their troops yep and it eventually sort of evolved into this big giant you know everybody puts it all the countries are putting a team in and that's and, so cool and it's um what is it uh four 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 forty kilometers something like that so it's 160 kilometers yep. over four days uh with rucksack and you know boots and the whole fun you know, the, the whole fun s- kit. the stuff that takes your feet away but uh <laughs> oh, but, yes. I, but i was training for nine megan because i had been selected i, I mean because you're the rock. I'd been so like, Canadian version of the rock. Look, this is this is there, there's there's two or three selectee in the RCMP, and mm-hmm. I was one of them. And I, I I was they literally said you need to send like you know they sent me this list of stuff I needed to send in like within seven minutes they had everything including my CV. <laughs> you're ready to go. Like, you are not changing your mind. No, on me. no. So anyway, so this kid comes over. We go for a long extended march together and we're talking and he's telling me about himself and he's like yeah i dabbled in jiu-jitsu because i do a lot of jiu-jitsu brazilian jiu-jitsu so he's yeah. like you know um i dabbled in jiu-jitsu all this stuff and then he was telling me stories and i was like how much did you actually dabble in jiu-jitsu he's like yeah. well i've done it for seven years okay so you didn't dabble he's 21 he's done it for seven years so he was yeah. a kid growing up and then Turns out he was a national uh, wrestler, national level wrestler. He's a he's a Golden Glove boxer. Those are co- those are corroborated facts. Like I have, we have friends in commons that are MMA uh, trainers and coaches, and That's they're like, insane. yeah, he's a gem. So anyway, so I take him out, I take him on uh, as a trainee, and I'm like, you are not going to policing, pal. You think it's gonna ruin him? You are not. No, no, no. I have bigger plans. Oh, for you're him. going further. Yeah. yeah. So so he, he's like, yeah, good enough. I'm single and I'm good to go. Yeah. Um, tell me, tell me how we get that done, type deal. So yeah. we're 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 going this run, and uh, he says to me, he says Seb, have you ever had this where you're running with people, say on a ten or a fifteen k, and uh, I look around and I feel like I should be tired, but I'm not, and I don't know if I should like, is it bad to kind of push past and you know he's, oh he's and i'm like no actually i've never felt that way during a 15k you yeah know, i'm around. sorry you fucking psychopath <laughs> at 15k i'm going i don't need to push past so what? so legitimately this guy's gnarly he comes over to my gym and he's like what's a muscle up i show him and he does one instantly yeah he's just he's just at the whole package he's I got it take him on the range his, his mechanics are looking beautiful from what he has seen on the internet you know like it's just it's just this a, is it's a whole Package. Same. Yeah, so he, he'll go places. Anyway, enough on that. But I wanna I wanna talk to this kid at some point yeah. when I'm allowed. It can he's be without camera. It can be all audio. But mm-hmm. I want I'd love to talk to this kid. It sounds like he's got quite a quite a full package. And when you meet those mm-hmm. people, my God, they're they're few and far between. Like totally. When you meet somebody that that well rounded, oh, yeah. he's a he's a stud. And and, and 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 the humility in him and all is just completely insane. Doesn't even need to be taught. It no. already sounds like it just kind of comes together. He's so humble. Like he's just. 
And he's just a kid. A grinder. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, does grinder. he, quick, random question, yeah. does he come from uh, a mom and dad? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he has, a, he has a good family. He comes from a good That's family. Beautiful. Hardworking people. That's what I, that's, uh, maybe I brought that up to uh, make a point like you were talking about before. It's like having that, that dad figure. And then it goes back to what Jordan Peterson talks about accountability and things like that. And I know you do a lot of, uh, you do a lot around your leadership, but I, I really want you to kind of touch on, you know, why you do what you do. Because I think people are going to be listening and like, you know, everybody wants to be, you know, this social media leader, everybody wants to be this, um, you know, this big person that, you know, pay attention to me. I have, I say the right things. I do the right things, but it feels like to me just from the very limited interaction and the people that we, we know in common, you're the real deal. Why do you feel like you need to be doing like this work? It feels like you take it personally more than I've ever heard a lot of people. Yeah. Um, for me, it, culminating culminated um you know in this package when i was appointed as a divisional sergeant major here for british columbia so just for the sake of sort of comparing the two mm -hmm. i was a team leader on a full-time swat team with 24 guys working for me mm -hmm. and i moved on to oversight of 8200 employees that's too many people right no no it is you but you only you have your sphere of influence correct right? correct and so, so you're not you're not responsible for 8,200 people. Okay. You are ultimately responsible for 8,200 people because you're setting the tone, and that yes. tone goes down and yes. it goes down and it goes down all the way to the bottom, right? Not that the bottom is the bottom. I know what you know you're know talking what I mean. about. It rolls downhill, though. Yeah. yeah. And so, one of the one of the things I felt like an imposter. Okay, I got a couple bumps. The commanding officer came to me and says, "I believe you can do things good." For the membership here and for for management as well bridging that gap having that conduit kind of role mm -hmm. and i put those rings on my shoulders the first time and i looked at myself in the mirror and i'm like you're a fraud why like, would you say that because you you you're not allowed to have ranks on your shoulders if you are not contributing and leading something you have to lead like you can't look at yourself and be like, oh, well, those are pretty nice. I don't know what I'm doing, no. Okay, okay. so you don't know what you're doing good. That's the first sign that you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. If you don't know what you're doing, you can acknowledge it so then you can work on making this better. How am I gonna get better? Mm -hmm. So there was a culture of silence in the RCMP. That culture of silence prevented, prevented us from being on social media. It prevented us from doing news interview and being candid. So we sounded like, like you know, uh, this matter is under investigation. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Like everybody's already changed a channel. Right? <laughs> sorry. And no, seriously. It's no, it's true. And That's there, why I'm and, and there was no, and there was no, there was no real people having the conversations. Meanwhile, our members are getting steamrolled in the media mm -hmm. about every use of force there is. Yeah. about any intervention they may have been a part of, which were highly dynamic and, and difficult. Um, it, you know, there was a defund the, the police kind of movement as mm -hmm. a result of some of the stuff that transpired in the States. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I don't want to downplay some of the value in, in making things better at the police level. Like we know there's always going to be work that there's way. There's always bad apples and everything, but honestly. For me, it, it, what it came down to is 
commanding officers everywhere were pretty much told, let Ottawa handle the communications with the okay. outside. Um, some of those commanders went out and did it anyway, and there was mm. some backlash, right? Like not necessarily, a, it wasn't like retaliatory or anything no. like that, but there was some backlash, like, you know, we need to be in step, and I understand that. Those are challenges that are faced by people at much higher ranks than me. Yeah. But you want me, the Sergeant Major, to be the conduit between the members and the people and the, and the management and everything? I will be that. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to dictate how I will be that, right? Yeah, because now you're looking at you're going to be what they see. Precisely. So basically what I did is I went out of the box and I got my social media completely reallocated to almost entirely professional, mm-hmm. right? It was critical for me. My, my social media was always positive. I was never a guy that posted. I don't think you have a negative thing on there. No, and I, and I don't, and I won't give into it, and I won't let people around me do that either. Yeah. So my thoughts on that was that, look, we can affect the leaders. I, I can't deal with what the man, the commissioner is doing over in Ottawa. I can't deal with what the ACOMs and the DCOMs are doing here and there or in other provinces. Yep. But what I can do is I can affect the senior constables, the junior constables, the corporals, the sergeants, the staffs that are yep. here. And if we have, uh, uh, if we can build a culture that, you know, of leadership within those ranks, yep. don't worry about what happens at DACOM and the DCOM level. Correct. Right? Because then everything will flow up because the people won't be afraid. They won't be, sh- they won't be, yeah. uh, what's the word? Um, um, filtering, ah, right? Yeah. Because if you're, if you're a, a mediocre leader right now and your people are not doing so great and you are way past your bedtime, but your ego won't allow you to tell anybody mm-hmm. what you are doing is you are filtering what's happening down here to these guys. Of course. So now these guys are like, well, we don't have that much of a problem here. Yeah, they're doing this great. Guy said, no, because you don't want to be exposed as the person that is unable to manage this part, you are now filtering. Mm-hmm. So if we teach those people all those amazing qualities that the leaders that a leader must have and that it is within their purview to affect the people around them extremely positively, even to the point of insulation against certain things, the upper management, Mm -hmm. we are fixing the problem from the inside. Alternatively, if we keep on whining and bitching about management and and what are you actually doing? Mm -hmm. What are you personally doing? Stop deflecting. What are you actually doing to affect change, to affect change in this organization? Mm So I was going to, my approach was to be that person that was going to go out and have the conversations and say, actually, no, that's not the case. And no, and mm. you know what? Ultimately, I, ta- I took the heat. And if you're a leader that doesn't want to take heat, you're in the wrong job. Yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately, whatever happens with your team is on you. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether your team makes the decision or makes the plan and you walk them through it, you, you hear plenty of, I hear more, um, only because I guess I speak with more military, but I hear plenty of those guys, team leaders and things like that um, in special forces. It's like if you or, you, or you read any of these things, um, you know, you talk to these people, they, they'll say the same thing. Like the leadership has to be there. You have to be willing to speak up for your team. And if you're not able to, to do that, 
you're you're not a leader mm -hmm. and i think that's so important for people to realize that it's okay to make mistakes and i think people think that if you make a mistake well then you're you're not a good leader or you're not a good example it's like you can fuck up but you need to own that you fucked up this is why you're how you're going to fix it and then then show me that you're going to implement the change and then people will still follow you just because a leader makes one mistake does not make them a bad leader it means that they're taking accountability they're actually being honest and open about it and showing their team that they can do better if they're willing to do better mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's essentially what spearheaded this this whole movement. It was I'm gonna put myself out there. It has nothing to do with being David Kogan's. I'm certainly no David Kogan's, and I don't want to be. Why that guy is fucking awesome. No, no, he is, but he, you know, he is, he's so insane though. He, he, again, I I I bring a, my own personality is a little bit more balanced. And, yeah, um, I'd say you're not yeah. screaming at me right now, so mm. I feel like your 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 you know and your your intensity level isn't of that. But I think there's there's something to be said for, and there's some there's something to be said for people that can be like that, sure. and there's something to be said for people that can be like you, which 100%. is the he has got his personality. That's the way he is. That's how he works. That's how he functions, and that's how he leads. And that is effective for some people and some people need that though mm -hmm. but some people sure. need the complete opposite where they need that quiet professional and they need that soft spoken person and they need that person that's can still what's the what somebody said to me recently inspire. yeah inspire but always be uh, afraid of the quiet person in the room yeah the quietest person Bruce in the room Bruce used to say that yeah 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 and he was right yeah it's true he was the quiet person well exactly <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though but the, but the, there there can be different styles of leading mm -hmm. as long as there's leading sure i wonder do you feel like maybe Jordan Peterson had a huge, uh, I think he had a huge uh, impact in that taking accountability. When did you start reading about him? What did you learn within his, um, anything you take on into your leadership positions? Oh yeah, oh tons. Yeah, 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 yeah tons. I mean, but but again, this is another one of those things where from it it's continuous learning. Of course. Right? So it never stops. For I, sure. It's not like, oh, I read 12 rules for life and uh, extreme ownership and the dichotomy of leadership. And I'm good to go. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, four yeah. years from now, I mean, it, and so, and long before Jocko came came around, long before Jordan P uh, came around, I mean, he tackles a different, you know, he, he tackles a different kind of trend, right? Which I really appreciated as well. Yeah, because that needs to happen. Because if mm -hmm. we don't, the world that we're about sure. to envelop with their children it's, is terrifying. It's that polarization of yes. the extremes it's like i'm extremely all of this or i'm extremely all of that and if you're anywhere in the middle you're either for or against us yeah like what are you talking about talking about american politics that's what, what you're talking about. Uh, no but it but it bleeds, but that's like that but with everything it leads into everything yeah you can't you can't be the dissident or you get shamed you get you know exposed quote unquote because there's really no real exposure you're allowed to be a dissident we should want people to be dissident so yes. that we can move things along but anyway so jordan i think the first time i heard him speak was on the jocko podcast oh, okay i think so i can't remember which number but it's, a, it's yeah. quite a few years ago yeah it's been a while now yeah because yeah, yeah. he's kind of blown up since yeah since then yeah i feel like I've, i when i i don't know um with the rise, I guess, of social media and the rise of podcasting and the rise of people uh, reading, you know, and, and, and allowing 
allowing the acceptance of those who speak about leadership and things going on in the world to actually have a voice. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're seeing that kind of shift happen right now. Like you said, you have this kind of positive outlook on what's coming for the military and this, this positive outlook that's what's coming for the RCMP. And I am happy to see, at least with the RCMP, hopefully there'll be um, less issues in terms of maybe sexual assault, things like that, and accountability being held. And I think that comes, like I said, from the leadership st- standpoint. So it makes me happy to know that there can be that accountability even within a massive uh massive a conglomerate yeah yeah, organization as Mm -hmm. as the rcmp um i do wonder i want to ask you a little bit uh if it's okay with you about kind of you know the the swat or the ERT team and and what that looks like and and uh how selection works and things like that because i feel like there's um a lot of people like you said these kids like this guy that you're working with that that don't really have a direction or don't really know where to go or don't know how to get into anything like that mm-hmm. you know for the military you can walk into an office a recruiter's office and be like hi i want to join and i know that because i did it i don't recommend it um but <laughs> i'm just saying because no idea what I was signing up for. If you like camping, you love infantry, right? <laughs> Don't you, do you ever remember hearing any of that? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't it, but it was in French. Um, so, <laughs> so it just burned the ears a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I, I'm curious about it because I think uh, opening up the idea of uh, the ERT team and 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 specialized uh, RCMP and things like that, I, I would just love you to kind of explain how you get in, what that world's like, what you're really looking at. Because like you mentioned to me, I didn't know what that really truly meant. I, I just thought I was going to be doing, you know, cool things and all that. So rant away, my friend. Sure. So essentially the, the emergency response team is the tactical arm of the RCMP. And it's there There are part-time and full-time teams depending where you are in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are blended. Some of them have some full-time positions. Some of them have part-time positions. And basically their job is to take care of the calls that are beyond uh, the capabilities of, of regular police officers. And this doesn't mean, it means by way of, it's not elitist, more of an elite training. So people say, well, it is an elite team, but it's not an elitist team where, you know, oh, they're much better in this and that and the other. No, there are reasons why that is, by way yeah. of selection, training, uh, equipment. Uh, so everything that comes into play, that's put there so that they can be successful at what they're doing and handling calls that normally wouldn't be handled uh, if effectively. Uh, they may be handled, but they probably yeah. I mean, people are going to die, but yeah. there's a way to the, just a side note. I'm just going to totally sure. interrupt you a few times here because you were involved in a situation, were you not? In one? Well, the one that was in the media that was mostly in the media. Do you know what I'm talking about? The um, maybe maybe I'm like mis misremembering. Um, the it was a hostage. Yeah. I was not. No, I was already not that one. No, I was. I was. I was in. Oh, you, oh, you saw a clip on my. Oh, okay, okay, on my Instagram. Yeah, um, that one was a yeah a, a hostage taking following a shooting in Mission, and that uh, basically culminated into uh, a rescue yeah. in 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 Coquitlam, uh, on a on a motor vehicle. Yeah, yeah I want I, I, the reason I want to talk about that a little bit because that that in itself right there mm-hmm. that whole hand what the police can handle and then what you guys need to handle like I feel like those are the that's an epitome of like a, that's a story right there that mm-hmm. you can maybe illustrate the difference between I'm saying a regular police officer and what you guys do. Yeah, it's I mean it's very complex. I mean because it it goes from having the ability to you know. Um, respond to the initial call and having that immediate action capability so if 
should the hostage be located and, mm-hmm. and, and the hostage taker be located, that there is a tactical capacity to deal with a mobile situation, mm-hmm. a stronghold situation. So in a residence somewhere, in a train, in a bus, in an airplane, it doesn't matter where it is, the team has that. Mm-hmm. The team also has the ability to, from a, from a command uh, perspective, to use the critical incident uh, commander and, and, and have um, a, an overall overarching response to mm-hmm. these calls, which makes it organized and flowing, right? Okay. It takes the totality of the circumstances under consideration. So that may be, are we dealing with somebody that has mental health issues? Um, are, you know, the doctors are going to come in, the negotiators are going to be in, the bomb squad is going to be in because it's a, a hostage rescue. We're likely to go through those options if we need to breach or yep. so we have a, you know, a guaranteed entry point, all those things. So the team has the package, the knowledge, the skills and the ability and the, and the time on training to be mm-hmm. able to deal with those. Because I can say to you, OK, here's a, a, a mobile uh, target with the hostages in it and there's two hostage takers like how how are you gonna you, you yeah pull them over yeah you you're know? not gonna the, our reg, I don't say the regular I keep saying mm-hmm. the regular RCMP but the regular RCMP are not gonna be the ones that are gonna be able no, to handle that patrol isn't gonna be doing that and sh- they shouldn't be expected to even you know well no because then they're putting they're, they're putting themselves in a situation where they're not equipped to handle it mm-hmm. and then that's how people get killed sure 100 percent um, and so, yeah, it's just by way of capacity alone, um, it, you know, it's in, in my exposure as well, then I think I should um, sort of quantify that. My exposure has been 13 years on a full-time team yeah. here in the Lower Mainland, one of the busiest team in the country, right? So my experiences, even though I have been exposed to uh, many operators from the other teams yeah. uh, all around the country and, and tons of tons of good people, there is at times team cultures that I have disagreed with that were outside of the realm of our team. Um, and that's in, in disagreement in terms of the leadership and how they handle situations? Just just maybe in terms of how they sometimes carry themselves. and. and oh, yeah, we know yeah. all about that yeah. with the ERD team. Well, no, you don't. Cause, well, I know yeah, all about yeah, that with the... Correction. I know a lot about that with the ERD team mm-hmm. in terms of um, how they carry themselves and, and the way uh, maybe outside of when they're working. Um, there's uh, some of the people, uh, I, I, some of my friends that are in the RCMP and people I've met that were ERT members and the way that they carry themselves outside the police departments, mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking sure. about. Sure. So, yeah. so, so here's, here's, um, here's a surprise. If you are to create, um, how can I say that without burning the house down? Basically. You don't have to burn the house down. No, but basically, basically what happens is this. If you say you're a pro fighter, okay, let, let's take let's let's take it to wrestling and pro fighting. Let's okay. take MMA, yeah. mixed martial art versus. Yeah, I can do this. Wrestling. I know I know martial arts. Let's do this. Okay, so if you talk to people, yeah, that have met pro wrestlers, correct. What did they generally say about them? Well, generally, not always. <sighs> I don't know, cocky. They, they had very little time. They kind of flew by. Yeah, like, just like wah, 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 off to the next. No matter how successful, yeah, MMA fighters are. Mm-hmm. Generally, not always. For the most part, generally, they will take the time to to, to be with their fans and to you know. Sign there's a respect value about Why that. Why is that? Because there's a discipline taught. Because they're fighting for real. Ah. Right? So every time that you're not doing the things, you have to. You feel the need to overcompensate. Holy shit! I never even put that two and two together. That's what happens. I every time I have met um, Earth members with major attitude issues. Yeah. 
generally they had five calls under their belts. Oh, so they're newbies the, or they're, they're no, they just don't They just practice. don't have the call volume, right? Yeah. So now when you, because when you deal with, you know, 300, 400 calls or, you know, after a couple of years, you yeah. get thousands, you get humbled like big real time, quick, real quick. Yeah. And so you stay on the ground, right? So again, uh. it's, it's, so I, I've had stories and people reaching into me saying, you know, I've been dealing with this guys from the team in this and this location, you know, without obviously specifics and saying like, there's a major attitude problem there and everything. And yeah. I looked, I, if I looked generally correlated to this is a very, very, very low call volume. Interesting. And for those teams that have very low call volumes, yeah. there, there are a ton of good guys. Like, yeah, this you get is the not few. me saying that it comes, but this is where these, these attitude yeah. and, and we know we know. Oh, but you some, can tell right away but too. But sometimes it's difficult. So I'll, I'll give you an example. I, 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 when I left the team, I rolled out one of the gates and I'd spoken to somebody and somebody had said to me that somebody had come across a certain way. Ah. Uh, well, it's the second time that this person comes across a certain way. Not the first right? time. So it's like, we need to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Like you are basically when you show up somewhere in greens. You're an example of us. You are. You yeah. are representing the team and I will be surmise you know yeah. it, it, this should not happen yeah. type deal right so um i guess enough said on that right yeah fair and, enough. and so your friends or those yeah. that likely were on the team were uh, in the days that makes where, a lot of sense where these guys were part-time running robbery sections yeah. doing other jobs and yeah. then they would get together on the weekend two days a month yeah to there's do no things. there's no like uh camaraderie there's no team building there's no none of that no it, 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 to a certain extent it was there but um just if you get cons consistently beaten into the ground by operations and making mistakes yeah. and get you 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 humble down real quick Always. if you're not tested and you just get to wear the green and walk around everywhere yeah. then it may create a, a, a bit of an ego. Uh, yeah, a and bit it of just, that. And it just has. It just has to be. That's why I, I, I tell all the ERT members and all the members in general. Yeah. You are a representation of the organization. Every single one. And too. when you do something knuckleheadish at four <laughs> o'clock in the morning in Timbuktu. I'm gonna find out. We all wear it. Yeah. Right. It's more. It's more of that. Is we yeah. all wear it, and that doesn't mean like don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean don't. Nothing's perfect. We we understand that, but we're talking about willful. You know. Yeah, willful behavior that shouldn't be. Yeah. No, I, I can I, I can understand that, and I can totally I can respect that. But it's nice to know that it's it's being called out, or it's being spoken about, or it's being adapted, or changed, or developed in a different way. I think that it goes though, like you said, there's when you have a low call volume, mm -hmm. combined with like you said, just not getting the shit kicked out of you all the time, mentally, physically, whatever it be, you're, you're going to be sitting at a different at a different mental level. And and from the jujitsu side, how long have you been doing that? Uh, Thirteen and a half years this year, I think. So what belt are you at now? Uh, four stripe brown. Oh wow! Last last, yeah. last belt before the the big one. <laughs> yeah, last belt before the big one. No, but that's a big deal because that's a that's a it's the discipline and it is a way of life and it is like you said when you're getting choked out or you're getting kicked in the face you learn really quickly how to be humbled and I think that's where bringing your skills into you know back into their team again could be so so well utilized because the teams. As people come in, and you know, if there's quieter times, it gives you that opportunity to really cultivate that 
that that strength within the leadership and that that willingness to whether or not you've had you know low call volumes or not that mm-hmm. willingness to just be the good person that you should be from the get-go when you guys are dealing with selection is there any women who have ever made it through onto the earth team in the rcmp yeah uh, yeah val parks i've worked with uh, she was in toronto i believe yeah um, solid yeah uh, we've had here on the lower mainland team we've had one okay uh, a woman be successful uh, but she withdrew herself during uh, right before going on the course on the earth course so the way this works is we have at the time it was a three-day selection but right now is our five-day selection okay so it's a five-day selection camp you have everything from you know the physicals to the cognitive to the scenario-based training yep. to the shooting and, and, and patrol tactics and these types of things. So they're being evaluated on all of those, the teamwork, and the list goes on and on. I mean, yep. it's a scientifically sort of, you know, Not similar to the, yeah, any of the cheat, yeah, yeah, any of the other. Um, and then there's a, there's a selection sort of phase two, which is um, to test their ability to learn, teach them new skills that they're, uh, they're going to learn when they go on the course. Mm-hmm. Once the phase two is done, then they go, whoever's selected to continue will go to the course. And okay. the course, is, I believe, is eight weeks um, in, in Ottawa, and uh, you're getting, like, full-time. It's like... Yeah, it's on. It's concentrated, and these operators are coming on the off the course now. They're way better than we ever were when I was on the course. Basically, for us, we were tough, you know? like Yeah, you were big guys. We, no, not big. Just we were just tough. Tougher like, we wouldn't people. quit ever. No, not tougher. We were tough. That's all we had, you know? Like this, Really? This, I just, yeah. I don't know. You guys, like, there's a certain mental uh, mental uh, uh, state to be in to pass surpass selection. But, but that's precisely what I'm talking about. Mental yeah. toughness, just, physical toughness all tied into it. So basically, okay. we were getting beat up is what I'm saying. Yeah. There were some skills development there. There was some shooting evolution. There was some CQB, you know, uh, and, and there was all kinds of skills. But the, the, the kids that are coming off the course now have a much better shooting package. They have a much better uh, CQB package. Yep. They have a much better, you know, is, is all It's I'm evolved. Saying. It's totally. evolved and it gotten has. better. It's no different than saying, like, um, uh, the hills in 93 and looking yeah. at them now, like, you are not even in the same galaxy. No. Right? Yeah. So there, there was an evolution there. Um, and so uh, this uh, girl who's a friend of mine. Yeah. Um, was successful at the time she wasn't a friend of mine but as a result of being on selection and I was responsible for the gut check which is the physical component of selection my job was to do everything that I asked them to do okay during the entire selection yeah because you're not going to ask anybody to do anything every so there's no like oh these guys are standing around while we're doing all this physical activity evaluating us no they're actually with us most of them are older than us and And kicking our ass exactly so how do we you know it's more about testing him by inspiring than it is by just kind of yeah that that the sense of leadership than never asking anybody to do something that you wouldn't do yourself sure. or with them 100 believe in that so I, I used i was involved with 22 selection camps most oh, most of them geez. the last six or seven had to do with the combatives i run the combatives portion that also the, makes a lot of sense yeah yeah but um the other the other side was the you know just the the, the gut check and she was an absolute animal beast like, eh? she was yeah she made it to the crossfit game in 2009 holy i got injured and got out but like at the time of course the games weren't what it takes to get on now oh i don't care that's still impressive as hell yeah she was she was an absolute beast i remember i had them all in um in a plank with a beast on the beast is like a big frag vest you you know essentially was a frag vest and it was pretty heavy and uh 
we had her in the plank where we were all in the plank and it was her and I left and we were like 14 minutes in, oh. you know, and, and the guys just, are just like, I hit myself. They, they, she just, yeah, she ran a train on, 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 on That's the best. it didn't matter. It didn't matter what gender you were. She, you were getting your ass beat. I love hearing that. That's yeah. why I ask about these women. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't hear often about them uh, making the earth team or making sure. things like that. And I think, I think, um, it almost does a disservice because then women don't feel like that. That's an option for the game. I'm not. I'm not a big like more women should be in the job. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm the belief of if you can do the job, you should sure. be in the job period. Yeah. So so when people ask about this, it's a very it's a very sensitive area for me because we've been accused before of being unfair or unfair treatment or not having girls on the team. I'm like, look, it's a numbers game. Yeah. Right? We have a hundred guys trying mm-hmm. out every year. Four of those will make it in. Yeah. You have two girls try out. Wait, good good luck. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not. Maybe you'll fall on 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 the one that yeah, will you really might. rise up, which we did yeah. at one point. But it's like so so the area of focus when it comes to having um, uh, women, very capable women in these positions, mm-hmm. is to let them and teach them that they can be in those positions. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And I think that um, as a, as a as a society, we are seeing a, a wind of change in that department as well because we yeah. have seen girls do things that seemingly they weren't supposed to be able to do. Like if you look at if you look at the and again, I'll, I'm and, and I don't care if you if you're into CrossFit or not or whatever, but I'm taking CrossFit as an example. Well, you know that sport, so you can, you sure. can speak on it. Because in 2007, the weights that the guys were using are the weights that the girls are throwing around like nunchucks yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Right. So the evolution of the sport, we have taken these women. I've had I've had some of my athletes train with some of the guys, and we're an entire team in there, and we're yeah. getting smoked. Oh, I don't do right? that. So um, I think in, it, it is more apparent now. It is more out there. Strong mm-hmm. is the new skinny. And, you yeah. know, like the, there's a wind of change, and it's very yeah. favorable to having these women come out of the woodwork. MMA, you know, female oh, MMA. I love it. The best thing to ever happen. Ever happen. Ever I, I, you know, watched the, the the girls fight. I watched the girls jujitsu. Um, oh, it's insane! Grappling matches, like just so technical and so good. So, anyways, so I I think what we need to do is do a better job at reaching out. Yeah, just say, showing it's an option. If you yeah, can do it and you can correct. prove it, then you should be able to and, do the job. And there's a lot of girls that have the tools to do it. They don't want to. Well, no, that too. Well, why? Well, if there's you a don't, lot of guys that don't want to. Well, well, yeah. Why do you want to put yourself through that? It's mm-hmm. no different than people saying like, well, I'm going to go try out for buds. It's like it takes a special type of person to know that you're going to just get your shit kicked mm-hmm. for like an incredibly amount of time. And just knowing, knowing that you don't want to deal with that before even going into a situation, like you're already setting yourself up for failure. So don't even bother until you're in the right mindset. Sure. I think anybody can do it. You just have to be of the mindset. Mm-hmm. Um I do wish, oh my God, I do wish MMA was around when I was still fighting. Oh my God, I missed, oh, there's something, I, MMA, what year was, what year did MMA really, like, when did the UFC, 93, really, okay, Jesus 93 Christ, was the, I didn't yeah. even have to ask that, words didn't have to finish out of my mouth, mm-hmm. did you see that, Coleman, <laughs> Seb was ready for that, yeah, Seb loves anything, Seb loves violence, related. violence, 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 no, I mean, those are, those Healthy are, violence. Those are yep. tools of the trade, right? Oh my God, are they ever? Especially for you. I mean, have you ever seen? This is going to be horrible. Have you ever seen? <laughs> I like to preface myself with that. <laughs> have you ever seen uh, a police officer in the United States trying to take like <laughs> the correction? An average police officer, patrolman in the United States trying to take down a person when they're trying to run away. 
It is hilarious because there is no training whatsoever on self-defense there. You can see that wholeheartedly. It is, number one, it's dangerous and people are getting killed because of it. But number two, the idea that somebody doesn't know how to do a chokehold on somebody and you're a career police officer, that kind of makes me sick to my stomach, to be frank. Yeah, you know. A mandatory minimum of like a orange belt, yellow belt, or something in any sort of martial art should be should be like a staple. So here's where this com comes down to. So we have, if you look at, let's take the SEALs, for example, right? Mm -hmm. They will go, what is their workup? Three months for, for a workup or? I, I don't know the three SEALs. Three or six months? Or yeah, it's, it's roughly right So anyways, that. I mean, the soft units will, will work up so much training. Yeah. so much they will go on a deployment come back get back into a training cycle yeah redo right yeah. cops are doing this day in and day out yeah not on the same scope understood but, but they're doing it. all those hands and feet skills and all those intellectual skills because i mean I, we don't want to be like i don't want goons like we want people that no, can, you want intelligent that's people. right so the intellectual side of things and everything needs to be consistently dri drove into the yep. leadership side everything and we're not getting any of this organizationally by most of the organizations that we're in there is a culture in policing in canada that's policing is seen as a necessary evil you're gonna get it or am i go goddamn fly murder <laughs> murderer sorry i killed a fly peter don't come after me with uh, chopsticks yeah chopsticks <laughs> so, so um, you know, there's a culture in, in the country, in Canada, especially, I find, that we're a necessary evil, mm. you know? Oh, well, so we're having a hard time selling why we're doing, what we want to do, what we want to do, and how we want to do it. And, okay. and the price tag associated with good is policing is expensive. And it just yes. is. So what we're doing is we, as the organizations, decide not to share what we do so that really helps us mm -hmm. you know so can you tell us about this uh no you know it's under investigation this that and the other okay so what do you actually do so what do humans do when they don't have an actual answer they just make it up oh cool and it, it becomes a reality right so we're we don't know anything about policing most people don't no they, they just don't they have no clue okay so now what they do is they will look at the social media they will look at the media as fanning out uh which, by the way, out of the thousands of calls I've been on, five have been in the media, you know, like whatever. Well, yeah, because it's not, they're not going to pick up they're on that. They're not going to be there, right? No. Uh, and, so, and so what happens is we're, our training, our operational model is flawed and that training isn't built into it. If training was built into it, we wouldn't have to worry about people training on their own time. Uh, this goes back to me shooting on my own time correct right yeah if the team didn't didn't provide the training yep, or the shooting i would have to go shoot on my own time yep. how likely is that to happen once i just police this and i just did this well, and when I you have the kids time. and you have the, the business and you have this and that yeah it, it won't happen the no. the priorities will go lower right so anyways what we need is an actual revamp mm -hmm. where the organizations are responsible for training their departments yep excuse me they're also responsible for the community outreach and teaching people this is why this is so challenging mm -hmm. and this is why we need our police officers to be better trained not under trained and yep. if you look at some of the areas where they've had problems with their police oftentimes they're under trained incredibly they're underfunded they're exhausted yes they're they're trauma ridden like like no tomorrow 100%. and nobody's dealing with it recipe for 
disaster. It's honestly a shock that there isn't more unarmed shootings in the States. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how political that sounds. That's the reality. When you look at the amount of training or the lack of training that goes into some of these police departments, people come right out of high school, they get a gun given to them, mm -hmm. and then they go patrol. No wonder people are nervous. Mm -hmm. People are mm -hmm. nervous when they have guns on their hips and they don't know how to properly use them efficiently and effectively in a stressful situation. They will fire it unintentionally, whether it happens intentionally or not, they're going to, something bad will happen when you give somebody a gun who is 20 years old and never been trained in a stressful, in a stress-inducing situation. Sure, and to make matters worse, you, you, you put some absolutely unreasonable parameters on your recruiting processes. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's, you know, let's make sure that anybody who's been in a fist fight, as yep. we, we, you know, isn't in there. Let's let's recruit from a demographics that's never really faced adversity. Yeah. Let's and and those were challenges that we're faced with based on generational problems that we've had. Correct. Our parents were, you know, hardworking, doing the tough stuff, mm -hmm. and then they wanted to protect us, so they made us as cushy, as comfortable as we possibly could, Helicopter which created parents. the other yeah, which created the other issue. Um, there's a lot there's a lot to be done in policing to change but it is extremely difficult for police officers to do that it's Individually. not their job yeah yeah no yeah. you can't be asked to do it's, that it's not and so so whose job is it well as soon as something goes pear-shaped the politicians are coming out the yin yang and what do they do they blame you guys right off 100%. the bat percent. they jump on the bandwagon yeah right because that's political survival yeah well Right? Obvious. No, it, it just it, is. It is a hundred percent. So basically, if the bandwagon is going that way and I'm going that way, clearly these people are not yeah. voting for me. No. But if I jump on it, they're voting for me, right? Yeah. Um, I just wonder. I mean, when you're teaching, when you're working with your guys, I know it's frustrating. I know it's hard uh, talking about it because the lack of, you know, the the lack of control that you guys have over the. You know, you you overlook and you watch over a team and you you train them the best you can. And then when something happens tragic, which it does, uh, I would I want to say less frequently in the ERT team versus like a regular service member. Um, I could be. I don't know that for sure. In terms of? In terms of uh, fatalities or uh, issue, uh, situational uh, problems. Well, and can, you mean like the, the, the members dying or correct. somebody from the, no, yeah, yes, the members. you are correct. Yeah, Yeah, because I feel like, you know, like you said, that, that goes to show to the, the level of training that almost needs to be had uh, across the board rather than just with specialized units. And, and hopefully that could help to mitigate the, you know, the senseless death. Yeah, there is another, there's, there is another complicating factor when it comes to dealing with like what the calls the patrol deals with mm -hmm. and that's the ambush right yes and that's i'm sorry you can't i don't care who you are i i don't care what soft team you were on mm -hmm. and who, who you led and who you fought if somebody wants you dead coming out of 7-eleven when you're on the phone with your wife heading you know yeah it's I, gonna happen it's, they're gonna walk up to your window and they're gonna shoot you in the 100%. face 100 percent. so you, you, you yeah having that level of awareness and yeah i'm constantly on high alert yeah it's gonna you know you may be, but if somebody truly wants to ambush you, that's why ambushes are so, on, in, in the military sense, are so critical. Like, how are we going to regain momentum and how are we going to get off the X and how are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. um, patrol has that component where the ambushes are real on mm -hmm. them as oftentimes we will know what we are getting into. Because you're getting the, yeah, you guys the are specialized, you know, yeah, right? you're getting We're it. We're getting the intelligence because it's just happened. Correct. So, uh, you know, Patrol, really, really dangerous place to be. Really dangerous yes. place to be. You don't know who you're dealing with. You don't know. And once you do, 
and the ambushes come into fruition, you actually don't have the proper tools KSAs to, deal to deal with it. No. Which that, makes it... That's what I mean. Difficult. They put that... It feels like it's a, almost like a backwards factor. They put... You have to have a certain amount of time in patrol mm-hmm. before you can move up and do other things and you have to you know earn your stripes and sure. expose yourself to these things. But it's like the training isn't enough to expose these you know, what they're being exposed to and then it'll break people who weren't trained properly or given enough time with certain situations and and then that and then they force them out there and then they're on patrol and then like, things like that happen and people don't know how to react in stressful situations with a weapon and that's what I feel like it comes down to. The Like in a nutshell is if, if you're not trained right, you cannot do your job properly. Well, exactly. A stress inoculation piece is just one of those Absolutely. many pieces that are required or that should be should be yeah, yeah. And, and i mean everybody does a decent job at the base level the best the you issue can. is the continuation of that yes right and those are perishable skills and we all know that so yeah. it's not like hey you learn how to do you know a, a vascular neck restraint or yeah. whatever you know even some departments are highly political they don't even use it but well no because they're too afraid of what right. yeah but um again an oversimplistic of course yeah but um, but you may be you may have been proficient at shooting. You may have been proficient at running. You may have been fit. You may have been all those things yeah. when you came out of training. As 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 more time is put in between your basic training and where you are now, mm-hmm. if you have not upkept um, these critical skills, yeah. you are a world of you're in a world you're in a hurt, hurt big yeah. time. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I wonder if it's should almost be mandatory to have some type of martial art uh, experience a certain amount of time or a belt level or, you know, X, Y, and Z. It would be very easy in a six-month training program to implement something. To get everybody out of there as a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, for example. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because it's, it's on. And it's you, can do, you can do grappling. Yeah. I don't even care. Call it whatever you want because you can do your jiu-jitsu. You mm-hmm. can do your wrestling. Yeah. You can do your... your um, uh, you're no gi jiu-jitsu because you know obviously because yeah. we trained in the gi over in, in depot but then what we also did is we sp- um, split the ground in a stand-up which is a big no-no to me i want these people to yeah. be mma sparring before they're leaving ah okay. i want them to i want them to mix that really that's yeah absolutely. and you find it's most effective that way 100 percent. it that's been proven over and mm-hmm, over again mm-hmm like it's been pro- oh no i don't is, doubt there it is, there is no discussion on what works and what doesn't it just like, works it's, it's just it does now there's going to be like the, the the little things that are specific to law enforcement like some of the wrist locks and some of the you know japanese jiu-jitsu t- type yeah. things um you know that can be utilized in the testing because you're not going to just strike somebody with a closed fist right in the face if there are adi- additional options because ultimately we we live in a world where we are constantly under scrutiny, right? Yeah, you don't need you need to de-escalate, not increase. Yeah, and 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 there are ways to deal with things without being so drastic in in your application of force or looking right? drastic in mm-hmm. your application. No, no, of absolutely. Force. I mean, it, it, <laughs> oh and, no, because you know you grab somebody the wrong way, and use, that could use of force isn't pretty. There no. is no question, and, no. and being that interpersonal human aggression is the number one phobia. When people, it's if so crazy. if you're a normal human being right now. And you're standing at a bank lineup, mm-hmm. and somebody butts in front of you. Before you go tell them to go back at mm-hmm. the back of the line, you have an adrenaline dump. Of course you do. Karen, <laughs> you just ask someone to go back in the back of the lineup. Like, what would you have done if this was a sweaty 300 pounder on PCP? <laughs> 
Karen. Like you literally would have died. Karen, your life would have been over, Karen. You would have died. You would have been died. You know you what? You could stand there and, and, and comment on what they should and could and would and whatever, but yeah. you have no idea. Yeah. Right? No. So, yeah. <laughs> really that. interesting. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I love I love martial arts. I think it's, um, mm-hmm. I think it's, I, I almost want to implement what, uh, What's uh, it was the it was the idea for you have to do like mil uh, military service it, like mandatory? I don't even know that military service needs to be mandatory. I mean, like a martial art should be mandatory by the before you leave high school or something. I just think I I've, I did it since I was four years old, and it creates a person that can have some center and like interpersonal discipline without having to learn it the hard way you can learn it in a way that you learn such respect for not only yourself but those around you but you also get humbled on a regular basis where it just keeps that in check when you're going through you know that teenage years and all the way up you learn really quickly that there's always going to be somebody bigger faster and stronger than you and the best that you can do is try to keep up with that or make sure that you are being the best person you can be so that you don't ever have to use those skills in in those situations but like I said, with policing, I'm always curious about it because I just, I, I see these YouTube videos and I see these people like one, you know, one guy high on PCP or, you know, naked, just flailing arms. There's like five cops trying to get him. It's like, you just got to grab somebody the right way one time with one hand and that guy's going down. Like, it's just learning that technique and learning that safety for others. But like I said. Or just work together better and or not just work effort. against each other. Yeah, communicate. And, yeah, a coordinated approach and, yep. you know, I mean... <laughs> There's always going to be the, comp, the, comp, the there's always going to be that under really really high stress. Of course, this, there will be a skill, skills degradation. Period. Right. That's natural, you, though. But if you start at the base level, mm-hmm. that's down here at the you know white belt level type deal, mm-hmm. and you degrade to a less than that, we have some serious problems. Yeah. If you're a purple belt and you're now you know, a blue belt, yep. we are good to go. Yeah, as long as you've got some skills, some techniques, some 100%. ability on how to protect yourself so mm. that you're not going to get shot in the face. And then, you know, after that, and, and what's interesting is we're really prioritizing the the paperwork. We're really prioritizing... The spelling the, 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 and the, all the, of that the, stuff. The, the putting the court package yeah. together so that the charges are sticking. And, yep. and, the, and the, the court-imposed burdens is so elevated for law enforcement, it is completely asinine. Mm-hmm. You know, you want uh, some information to obtain a 1,600 pages to try to obtain a warrant for a place. It's like, holy, okay. Uh, what me, good is that? Well, well, you know, this is for a completely different conversation. <laughs> but I guess what I'm saying is... In in terms of priorities of life, you can mess your pep, your your, uh, your paper up as much as you want. It will not get you killed or anybody else. Correct. But if you if you have to put so much time on this paper by way of the overburdened processes that we have in place, yep. it will affect this part here, and this part will get you killed. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So how do we fix that as as a, as a culture? That's my that's my hope and 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 talking with I don't say people like you, but I say people like you, people who are doing the work, who fucking walk the walk and 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 they are not only doing it in the way that people should feel inspired by just by even seeing your social media page but you're doing the work when somebody reaches out to you you're you're taking the time you're being a good human you're not just saying hey here's this and see you later i've done my due diligence to help people you're really implementing it putting you know your your, the money where your mouth is and you're and you're going back in you're you're you know you're training these people to be 
the example that we need 20, 30 years from now as things change and evolve, you are you're putting the you know implementation in place now. And I think that's what's going to make the difference with not only the RCMP, but anything that you seem to touch. And I'm I'm you know, really grateful I got the chance to, to chat with you, but I, I want to, I want to follow, I want to follow along with you. You're, you are inspiring, you know, you, you truly are. And just getting to sit across from you, you can feel your energy. You feel such like a, you're so positive on the outlook of what we have coming for our future of policing. And I think that you're going to be a big reason why the RCMP is going to be looked at in a better light and it's going to be trained better and it's going to be proficient at what it does. And hopefully we we start to see, you know, positive, more positive change. And I think we're going to. And it's because of people like you, Seb. And I just, I'm grateful that you're doing this work. Um, can you tell everybody your social media handles? Because I think what you do needs to be followed, needs to be paid attention to, because I think it is going to make a massive impact. Sure, absolutely. Um I might get this wrong, so get it it, wrong. It'll, it'll be it'll be something like this. So my uh, my Instagram is the platform that I operate on. Okay. Um, Facebook, I'm kind of there here and there. Yep. Uh, although they're owned by the same people, but uh, I don't so know. Slav Cobra Commander is my uh, should have made it harder. So it's I know. So it's S L A V C C M D R. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Slav Cobra Commander. It's like obviously we'll tag you and everything. It's an acronym, right? Um, and that's because because people have asked this before, like, what is this Slavic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, <laughs> so it's basically Cobra Commander was my nickname on the team. That's how uh-huh. the guys called me. And uh, and my name is Sebastian Lavois, so Slav is my initials. That's all. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. So and that's where I do most of my business. Yeah. Okay. We'll keep an eye on that and we'll make sure to share all of that. But also next time I want to have you on, I got, I already got a million questions. So I want to talk about tattoos. Right. I want to see where you're at with your leadership. I want to talk about your awesome kids. And uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled to hear that somebody's actually given a shit about what's going on in this world in terms of holding people accountable and the leadership. So thank you, Seth, for coming on. Thanks for having me. My resource for this week at the end of the Brass and Unity podcast, we have picked Help for Heroes and they provide lifetime support to those who are wounded while serving their country. They are a British resource. So for any of our NATO friends over there listening to this podcast, please check them out. Uh, They do incredible work to make sure that you are looked after after an injury uh, while deploying and they will do their best to make sure that all of your needs are met. Um, That'll be helpforheroes.com. I want to say .uk, but definitely take a double check. Um, But they do incredible work, so please check them out while you can. And we will see you all next week.